0: John Uh-oh, Peterson turned on, so go ahead oh stream is live never mind oh never mind oh actually you know I, I maybe this you know whatever the internet um so Jordan Peterson is about to start his book tour um for the book that hasn't even come out yet right it's right we who wrestle against God is and Chicago's one of his early dates. He's here in like mid-February something like that. Why in the world you would want to come to Chicago in mid-February? Even I don't want to be here. But um, do you think that there is any way that we could reach out to him on behalf of our meetup group? Um, and either get a chance to talk to him or something like that. Because at this point, we're like a four-year running Jordan Peterson meetup and uh but i don't we know We can always try we can always try yeah i i wouldn't give it i wouldn't
1: give it a lot of uh
0: wouldn't invest too much uh hope or uh, uh you
1: know. And, and, and if you
0: look expensive. and if
1: you look at that if you look at that schedule I mean, again, it's typical Jordan. It's like every other day, another city, mm-hmm. and he—that's what he likes to do. He clearly likes to do. He's got his wife going with him often on this, and I mean, they live. I mean, these these are the kind of people that live on airplanes, and you're not going to see them on Delta. That's um, yeah. I guess yeah. Your invite got lost in the mail. What kind of conservative Catholic are you, Luke? Um, <laughs> what what, right, what, what conservative? I'm I am not a conservative Catholic, nor where, where, are you. Where where are the conservatives on this thing? I mean, is just it's just me and Sam. Yeah, where, where are the other where are the other even guests? Kale, Kale said he was there and now he isn't. And um, I better drop the link in the email again just to make sure that people can come. Well, let's let's get started. Um Anything to say
0: before we have Catholics on to defend themselves?
1: Well, 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 let well let well, what were your first impressions of especially the because you were, I mean, it was the Catholic. I, I posted on Twitter the picture of myself, Bethel, and and Aaron. I mean, you were the guys that brought us all together. So what were your impression of Aaron's video? Um, I thought it was pretty
0: right. Uh I, uh, you know, he who calls us all the time sent that video to me as well. I think he sent it to both. I don't know if you got sent it multiple times. Hank uh, sent me that video. I don't yeah, know. It, H-
1: Hank it, Hank is hard to ignore. Um, Hank is hard to ignore. Yeah. <laughs> and of
0: course, <laughs> anything that makes Catholicism look good or talk about Catholic or Protestants uh, converting to Catholicism will catch his uh, attention. That's um, true. Although it wasn't. I mean, Aaron Wren wasn't necessarily the most flattering or positive in talking about this sort of conversion to Catholicism or orthodoxy from Protestantism. No. Um, But I mean, for the most part, it was describing something that everyone in this corner is very familiar with. But at the intellectual level, so why does it seem like intellectual conservative Catholicism has its act together more than any sort of institutionalized um, conservative Protestantism? Um, I think that that's probably true. And that does jive with my experience in elite conservative Christian places. Um, But it's not like the Protestants have no game uh there is something but I do think we're sort of outgunned um I it, my basic thesis would be and I'll mean this as a compliment that Catholicism has done a better job by not splintering of keeping the elite and the middle and the grassroots united in one institution and not allowing for schism and splintering even though there are factions that might not like each other. They're at least technically underneath the same church. Um, Whereas Protestantism, mostly because of the fundamentalist modernism fight in the early 20th century, and then the complete gap between the mainline and evangelicalism and fundamentalism, on the other hand, has just made it harder for the grassroots of conservative evangelicalism or Protestantism to nourish the trees and the flowers that bloom into intellectuals. And so when you come to these elite institutions, there's basically no footprint on the ground from conservative evangelical institutions, aside from a couple campus fellowships that are doing better work than they get given credit for. But um, it's still, yeah. Uh, I, so I think really, Protestantism's um, propensity to schism quicker than the Catholics do um, has sort of caused, keeps causing the the high flying evangelicals to get cut off from their grassroots in a way that Catholics don't. That that that's as far as I can tell, part of it. Um, but I also really liked what Aaron said when you know, these Catholics do have a good um, apologetics game where they're like, look at these things that are Catholic. Oh, all of those other things. That's just American. It's like, well, what do you mean? You know, all right. You know, if we're going to do a fair accounting of what comes from Protestantism and what comes from Catholicism, we have to at least give the Protestants credit for all of the things that they've done and not just call that liberalism or America or common sense or, or whatever you would attribute it to. Yeah,
2: but, but Sam, remember that, you know, Catholics weren't considered proper Americans until Kennedy um, pretended, you know, said what he said in Houston in 1959, <clears throat> right? I mean, I think that's a significant um, yeah. part of this conversation. I mean, Catholics were always sort of, always had dual loyalties to America. So I'm not terribly surprised then that um, that, Ren, I, you know that Rand's take was what it was, you know, as, as sort of the voice. I mean, he he knows. I mean he knows what the, the 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 mainstream and the main line was. Um I think Catholics did too. I think the the story of Catholicism since Kennedy has been uh, the desire to either the desire to act out the truth of that claim, right? That 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 Catholics can be as as American as you know a Methodist. And 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 you know. I have my own sort of take on why I think that that has probably been a bad Catholic play. Um, But, uh, you know, a a priest friend of mine um, and colleague has always said, you know, that never underestimate uh, the desire of um, of a Catholic and especially a Catholic clergyman to be accepted in the mainstream. And in my lifetime, I think there's been a, a very distinct generational divergence. You know, if you look at sort of boomer prelates, boomer prelates. Prelates very much wanted to be of the spirit of Vatican II, and very much sort of in that John Courtney Murray-esque vein of we can really be fully American too, right? Because if you call at the, the end of the 19th century, you know Americanism was an explicitly named uh, heresy in in the Catholic Church, right? So then, so that in the mid-century, with the Second Vatican Council, you know there was this moment where no, we can be just as good, right? So the boomer priests sort of drank that deeply, and, and and boomer Catholics drank that very deeply. In my generation, you know, somewhere in the midst of the, you know, um, uh, uh, the, the pontificate of John Paul II, you know, especially toward the latter half, over the middle to the latter half of it, um, a lot of Gen X priests and people like me uh, realized that maybe the sort of the, 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 the play to the mainstream was going to come at the expense of Catholic identity. And so I think what you're seeing playing out now in, the Catholic, in Catholic circles is, you know, um, you know, very much, you know, the Gen Xers want to be conservative. And roughly speaking here, right, the, the Gen, the, the Zoomers want to be trad, all in trad like the heck with this Vatican II thing, the heck with this, you know, sort of quasi Lutheran liturgy, you know, we want to go back to like bell smells, you know, verticality, you know, all of that kind of those distinctive. So, um, I don't know where I, I probably talked too much. That was sorry.
3: Well, well, I mean, yeah, if, if I can jump in, I, hmm. I had, a, I had a student, um, who was Catholic and it was, it wasn't a Catholic school. So he felt sort of lonely. He was kind of surrounded by, uh kind of very low Protestant kids, but he and I could always chat, you know, because I I followed the stuff that he followed. Um, And he wasn't having like a crisis of faith or anything like that, but he was just very discouraged with all the, you know, like he would rant about guitar masses, you know, that Francis and this and that. So he would kind of think out loud, like, yeah, I don't know, maybe when I grow up, I'll try to find an an ordinariate church or something, you know. and i just felt yeah i just felt bummed because you know here's this kid you know super bright you know like every you know every catholic mama you know would would want to have a a bright young catholic kid like this and the church is you know edging him out by doing stupid stuff you know (laughs) yeah
2: Yeah, that's the sort of the acceleration, I mean, you can sort of look at the the decade of Francis's pontificate as a kind of accelerationist project to basically do a kind of radical A-B test between, you know, trad or not, right? So they sort of burrowing out this sort of this middle ground that I grew up in, which was kind of conservative. You know, there's these two schools of of post-conciliar uh, theology. There's the concilium school and the resource amount school, right? And the concilium is basically progressive and the resource amount is basically a kind of progressive retrieval of traditionalisms, right? And so it's not ex- entirely neat, but basically John Paul II Benedict XVI were sort of um, conservative progressive traditionalists, right? And and Francis has been sort of more in the line of John Twenty Third, Paul the VI as a kind of, you know, it's a new day. It's new springtime. You know, we're gonna out with the old, and we're gonna sort of Screw do a new Latin thing. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So, yeah,
2: yeah, and so I think that's why American conservative Catholics, this this um, establishment that Paul you mentioned in the in the in your videos, you know, I think that's why they're so flat-footed in and. Uh, uh, unsure as to how to even comment on the Francis pontificate, because it had been brought up in this school of John Paul II and Benedict XVI, which basically said that, you know, no, the proper interpretation of the Second Vatican Council is not rupture, but continuity. Now, you can play all kinds of games with those words, rupture and continuity, and Good Lord, we could do that for forever, but it would bore everybody. But but that's basically it, right? And so Francis seems to be—I mean, very clearly—I'm not even going to play dance games anymore. But Francis is very much of the the sort of the hermeneutics of disruption. That Vatican II is a radically new thing, right? There is not, you know, and and so you'll hear some lip service to continuity type things, but ultimately, by his appointments and by his projects, he's clearly uh, wanting to do Vatican II for real.
3: I've seen people joke that he's the first Episcopalian Pope.
2: Right. Well, and that's and you. You will hear both tr- both trads and conservatives be like, look, you know, if, 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 we're not really sure what Francis is doing. I mean, he looks to us like he's just doing, like you said, a kind of version of, um, you know, Anglicanism or something like that, again, no offense to my Anglican friends. I mean, I, I, I have a tremendous okay. respect, but, but that's really sort of been the thing, right? So they looked at the liberalization, say, of the Presbyterians and the Methodists and the Episcopalians and everybody in this country, right, which spawned the originals rift, right, with evangelicals away from the main line. You know, um, the Catholics are sort of sitting there like, well, it, they tried it. Like, they really did. They, they, they really did give it a, a go, and it doesn't seem to have worked. So why do we think that we're going to sort of make this thing work? And oh, by the way, there's this thing called the deposit of faith that you, you're you kind of pretending doesn't exist anymore. So, again, I'm not sure how accurate that is. I'm just sort of giving voice to sort of the, the feeling of people who care about these sorts of things.
3: Cale, um, I was going to ask if, if you read the novel Mechanical for Leibowitz.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah,
3: Yeah, I um, I was just talking to I introduced a, a young friend of mine to it for the first time. It's very mm. that's that's a real boy. I wish I could read this again for the first time. Yeah,
2: yeah, and, that's um, very true
3: uh so, so so, just you know, for people who aren't familiar uh, it's it's a classic um, sort of dystopian Catholic novel, and uh, it's all about nuclear holocaust. So there's a nuclear holocaust which you know wipes civilization off the map and it has to be rebuilt. So the world is it's cycling through the new dark ages, the new enlightenment, and then the new futurism. Um, yeah,
2: it's funny, you, you hear podcasters talking about speed running you know, using a video game motif, but Canticle Levis is speed running Western Civ. Yeah, right? After yeah, the yeah. It's, yeah. it's
3: absolutely fascinating. And the, mm-hmm. the constant is this little monastery out in the desert of the American West. And it's just still there. Like no matter what happens, the monks are still doing their thing, preserving the flame of the church. Um, and it's an utterly tragic novel to read now, because it's sort of built on this sort of platonic ideal of Catholic basedness, you know, it's it's just like, it's all about what you want the Catholic Church to be, right? You know, like, the, the, the priests are fighting for uh, Catholic social teaching, you know, they're telling people not to kill themselves, even if they're suffering from radiation poisoning, they, you know, like, and then at, at the end they go into outer space and they're going to preserve the church in space. So, uh, at, like there's a pope and you just assume that this pope is like this rock solid conservative trad guy. Um, and so, but and, and my young friend is not Catholic, but he said, "Man, I like I almost want to become Catholic now after after reading this, even though I'm a Baptist because, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, the vibes, you know, it's sacrament mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of stumble back out into the real world and. It's Francis. It's the Guitar Masses. It's James Martin. It's the synod right. Synodality. Right. That's right. Um, and, and there's, it's like, there is no unified church anymore. There's the pretense of unity, but it's really just as all over the place as any Protestant denomination.
2: Right. And I and I think that's the dark night that a lot of conservatives and trads are kind of facing right now. And I, and I'd be lying if I say that I'd include myself. Right. That you know, I, I sort of call it bulwarkism, you know, the, the kind of bulwarkism that that made me fall back in love with the church after a kind of teenage rebellion against the church was that it was like the thing, like it was, uh, you know, uh, a, a, almost a kind of instantiation of a platonic form. And if I could just hew myself to it, then i could weather all of the inanities and the absurdities and the contradictions of modernity and um and so i think what you're seeing paul you probably see a lot of this actually in this little corner um and i think this has also been a great boon for you know our orthodox friends because basically people held on to the sort of the claims of what the church made about herself and now they're looking at, but it doesn't look like as Bethel has just sort of rattled off all the things that, a, again, a kind of based Zoomer is looking at. It's like, this doesn't pass the sniff test. Why are you keep shoving James Martin in my face? Like, I thought this stuff actually mattered. And then and so then they so like so. OK, so then all of a sudden, if if my ecclesiology is, is blown up to, to smithereens, And you know, uh, this is just bad theology is all over the place. Why don't I just go find like a really great, weird, super like cosmic liturgy? Like, oh, I don't know, Eastern Orthodoxy. Because I tried the Latin Mass, and oh, you know, that got ripped away from me brutally. By the way, Um, you know, and so look, I think that that is again, I'm, I'm starting to realize that maybe nobody really believes in theology. You know, maybe really it is. You know, you you brought up the vibe word Bethel, but I think that maybe vibes actually are the thing, ultimately, and we just sort of retrofit a theology to make sense out of it.
1: Now, the, the purpose of the stream isn't necessarily to host the uh, the the particular miseries of the current yeah, sorry. state sorry. of civil war in American Catholicism, uh, which is a perennial war, it seems. But the part of, part of how this came up. Is for me. We're in this moment where <clears throat> Rob Reiner, Phil Vischer, David France, Kristen Kobes dumay uh, all decide to get together to make a movie <laughs> to save America from Christianity and um, and especially from dread Christian nationalists. When <clears throat> then I'm watching the Ren the Ren video and it's like, oh, those sneaky Catholics. That's 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 like the old Jesuit playbook, you know. And uh, here, here, everybody's pointing to, you know, everybody's pointing to all the um, the people on January 6th in the Washington Mall with crosses and 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 Jesus stuff. And it's the Catholics behind the whole thing. <laughs>
3: well, and you know, I I, I was going to comment to to be fair. Uh, so, like you mentioned, the sneaky Catholics sneaking onto the Supreme Court, that kind of thing. Um, there there is also a ton of hate for those justices i mean like when amy coney barrett was going through her hearings uh, you saw oh there's the anti-catholic prejudice coming out so it will come out of the out of the woodworks um whenever it's it's mostly
1: come from catholics now because it's it's it was also occurred to me that Catholics are sort of like Muslims now. I mean, or or the don't don't make me look bad. I you know I go to Catholic church, but I'm not Amy Comey Barrett. Right? Uh, well, th- those
3: those people aren't really Catholic.
0: You know, the, <laughs> you, know, it, you know, it depends I, what you mean by really Catholic.
2: I, you're I more likely
3: a
0: Catholic church. You're more likely to meet someone right. like that than you are to meet. Someone I'm more
3: Catholic like, than those amen.
2: people. Right. I mean, do we want to talk about, you know, devout Catholic Joe Biden? I mean, do we really want I, to descend I, into this? Right, and, you right, know, right right know, Right. So, But but I think what Bethel brings up is actually a good point. But Sam, I think your rebuttal is, look, they go to a Catholic church. Like what? How, how am I supposed to parse these? Like, I, what, what kind of glasses should I wear so that I can filter out the real maybe and it's non-real? Maybe
3: you know, um, maybe Judaism could be Actually, analogy. that's
2: Because,
3: yeah, mm, I mean, I think, um, the, yeah, I, identity is really interesting. I think there's a tendency for people to say, oh, well, yeah, I'm Catholic, in a little bit right, the same right. way people say, oh, yeah, I'm almost, Jewish. You know? Right, it's
2: almost, I was just going to say, there's an ethnic uh, overlay, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Which, Which, hey. again, converts are like, completely, you know, and so for me, it's weird because, you know, I'm half Jewish, right? So it's, it's, you know, so like Zeldin's a Jewish name. On your
3: mom's side or your dad's side? My
2: dad's side. So I I know it doesn't count, but, um, uh, but, but at any rate, you know, and and that was very much part of our identity, like the extended Zeldin family in Louisiana, like we were Jewish. Nobody ever went to, nobody ever darkened synagogue, right? I mean, but we were, we were Jewish very much in the way that you see Eric and uh, Brett talk about it you know, more Eric than Brett, to be fair, right, but it, you know, so it was like, you know, nobody like believes in any of this stuff, but like, this is what we are, and so, you know, so like my dad, when he converted to Catholicism, uh, after he married my mom, and after my brother, my older brother was born, um, that was like a, you know, dark sheep of the family moment, like, they never treated him the same way, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, he, he he was a traitor, right, to, to tribe, and so, so for me, as a kind of half Catholic, you know, whatever, you know, you want to call that, you know, the, the, this sort of, this ethnic overlay has always made no sense to me because I was already kind of like a, a mutt anyway. I mean, well, you know,
0: try leaving years, the I Catholic, Catholic church, try and, yeah. and see how your relatives treat you, including your own parents after you left the Catholic church. Uh, you know, there no. is that same sort of uh, <clears throat> ethnic bristling, of the against the apostates who dare you know suggest leaving but i think it you know it's similar to what paul's experiencing in the crc mm. there are the ethnic dutch people who feel like mm. this is their birthright mm. and that their identity within the church trumps whatever propositions we think we're actually going to come down on at the end of the day well, like well, well, let's same. be real that's deeper than the propositions and yeah, they're way the way Way more Catholics who think that way than there right. are
2: Dutch CRC and, and, people. And in this summer, we all saw that, you know, with the, with the clip that 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 Paul brought out, an extended clip in which the 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 female pastor gets up and says, you know, is there a place, you know, is there a place for my gay son? Who was that? Paul. Was there a place for my gay son in our church? You know
1: it doesn't even have to be just a just a son who can't abide being in a church that would right, exclude right,
2: gays. That's right. That's right. You know, like that that is a you know again it it's like you're not making a theological argument, actually. You know, it, it's a it's a it's just weird. I don't know. You know what I'm saying, Paul? It's like it's a it's a it's a version of that that you, you know you're not making a confessional, even though it's saying my my son can't abide to be in a church who would Suggests that sex matters, right? Um, but it, but it's a family. I don't know. It's 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 complicated. Well, yeah, it's it's not like, how, a...
0: how could you tell those sorts of people that they aren't Catholic, right? They're like, what the heck are you talking about? You well, know, right. My so, ancestors so, have been Catholic since pa- St. Patrick scared away the snakes. Right. You know? right. So, uh, like, how dare you? At the, some. The level. problem is, the no problem matter is, though, what that... we believe or what we do or how we behave, <laughs> yeah. that part of our identity is deeper right. than anything. You have the right to criticize me over. And I, I have own, some yeah. sympathy for what they're saying. I, I know where that idea comes from and I've seen that up close.
3: I mean, you, you, well, under- you understand it psychologically, but I mean, Catholicism isn't in fact the same as, as Judaism. I mean, there, there can be a meaningful sense in which somebody can be Jewish without believing anything mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it is the, the, the ethnicity there's, there's, there's an ethnic thing going on there that there really isn't and, and just saying, well, my family are all Irish or whatever. I mean, that's not the same thing, you know?
0: Well, I think one, one thing that I think is interesting is zooming out a little bit in time and thinking about this. Cause one, the spicy comment I left in the video was basically to the tune of the wasps had way more reasons to distrust the Catholics prior to Vatican II than we're capable of imagining really very well, unless we separate ourselves from our current post-Vatican II historical age. And that it wasn't just ethnic or denominational prejudice, although there was that, like, you know, they, the the WASP didn't like the Irish when they started coming over, that is true. But there was more to it than just that in the Protestants, the Protestant establishment distrusting Catholicism, because Catholicism for a really, I mean, we also have to remember America once upon a time was puny and weak and was scared that the old world would come and take it back over and ruin the experiment that it had started. And it felt very vulnerable to that. And for good reason. And we had a Catholic front up in Quebec and a Catholic front down in Mexico. And like, that wasn't a joke and that we were scared that the Spanish or whoever could come and try and take away democracy from us Protestants who had worked so hard and had put so much on the line to uh, risk this experiment. And it's only now that we think America is invincible, that's laughable, But, but America was not always invincible. Democracy was not always just assumed and that so many of the assumptions built into democracy and American democracy are so Protestant to the core that Catholicism was striking right at the core of those ideals and that there was a decent amount of, I would even say, justified civilizational fear of old world Catholicism coming back and taking American democracy away from the Americans.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's historically true. And puts—and what's interesting about this now is now with the recession of modernity the enlightenment a bunch of these things i mean one orthodox person on twitter is like why do you have any orthodox here and it's like they're not even in the conversation in america they are in the but this this christian national conversation though is i think james Lindsay was right that um, you know, this is a number that's being done on a bunch of conservative Protestants that haven't quite thought this through. There's a number of other conservative Protestants that are going to say, you want to label with this? You want to label this? You want to call me this? Really? You really want to give me this label? You want to give us this label? You want to have this fight? You know, that's sort of Doug Wilson's thing. But there's... there's have, you guys,
3: have you been following um, the, the Dusty Devers win in Oklahoma?
1: No, I don't know who Dusty. Go right. so,
3: ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. Okay, like Well, this this is relevant. So, so Dusty Devers, um, is a, a pastor who ran for the Oklahoma Senate, uh, and and he just won. He he had a, an upset victory. So, I mean, if you look up clips of these guys' speeches, um, I mean, his speeches are sermons. You know what I mean? Like he's just like, he's just bringing it. He's just like coming up. And, and like delivering these kind of like fire and brimstone um, political speech sermons. And people are pointing to this guy like, here we go, it's happening. The Christian nationalist takeover, you know? Um, so, yeah.
1: But but there's, there's so much in here in terms of the, the WASPy Protestants were able to sort of, you know, there's no establishment. There's no church establishment at the federal level. And the states sort of put them away at the beginning of the 19th century. But the, I mean, the Protestants were able to sort of say, we're just gonna do a lot of winking because we really do all have the same culture and we really do all have the same goals, at least close enough. And we can fight about the details. But when it's all said and done, this is sort of our platform and our program. And it's, you know, in the middle of the 20th century, it's so funny listening to uh, Stephen Pinker laud the universal declaration of human rights yeah, and i'm just thinking
2: yeah well you,
1: know, you know, those, struck me those yeah, waspy yeah. protestants they smuggled that sucker hard <laughs>
2: well it's so shocking to me i was i was listening to that on the car i had to drive some students up uh, up to boston for the break today for the, to the airport and i was listening to you paul and I, I am i am amazed at how much of a straw man history those guys have to have to make the kind of claims that they make about well now we like you know we we believe we should think about our problems and apply thinking to our problems and you just go good lord do you know the straw man that you have created for like the entire history of humankind and you're going to say that this was sort of like burped out in the last like half second of human time i'm just amazing just amazing
1: so but but we're at this moment now where okay the wasps uh, they went from lions to foxes and right. you know and and I, I'm listening to the rest of his history, the Bay of Pigs. you know why I mean Kennedy's I mean Kennedy's really sort of at the cusp here of so many things because he's the first Catholic president, but he's darn waspy and he spends most Amen. of his time in England. Amen. he's an his his father, you know, I mean, and at, New
2: Eng- and at New England boarding schools, right? I mean, yes. like that, like that's a real thing. He did not see the thing that nobody remembers about Kennedy is he was not educated in Catholic schools, which was very parochial, very ethnic, very tribal. His father was a social climber from the get go. Rose was not; she was very much, um, uh, very pious and devout. Actually, devout Kennedy. Um, and but you know, he his entire formation. I mean. His entire formation was WASP. He was, he was, for all intents and purposes, a WASP.
1: Yes. And, and but, but you've got so many things because his father, of course, would, in some ways, people would look at his father and say, yeah, that's a Catholic. Mm-hmm. He's not faithful to his wife. He's slick in <laughs> yeah. business. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's he's looking to grab power. He sure wants to. He sure wants to have one of his sons be president. He's in cahoots with
0: his ethnic co-members against right. the establishment, and, and will right. cut them better deals than he'll do with us. And
2: and, and that's how he made his fortune, right? I mean, yeah. they gained prohibition to um, create their fortune.
0: There's a right, quote, which was yeah. a, the wasp establishment trying to get rid of alcohol, That's and right. so they're you know taking advantage of the weaknesses caused by the overstretch of power of prohibition.
3: There's a quote that I heard. I no longer remember who who said it, but but was talking about the young Kennedy before he had become president, and said, "We will package him up and sell him like soap." <laughs> like it was this very <laughs> cynical, but. That's exactly what happened, isn't it? You
1: know. Uh, he wasn't as packaged as well as George W. Bush. George W. Bush was really well packaged. That's also I mean, true. Yeah. Um, but but Kennedy of course has all of those things right in him and also the change from I mean the if you if you looked at that one video about the the arc conference, you have the lions and the foxes and the lions are the ones to say We are large and in charge. We know how to do civilization. We know how to do culture. And we are going to show you how to do culture. And in some ways, the Orthodox, the Catholics, and then these waspy Protestants could play the role of the lion. And then in the counterculture, you have this movement, this transformation into foxes, where it's very much the therapeutic. But it is also, you know, it, it is this different kind of control where it's not. You know, you're going to do it our way, or we're going to marginalize you and put you in jail. No, it's much more Gavin Newsom. Where I mean, Gavin Newsom is the whitest dude in town. I mean, look at him and his wife and his kids. They are they they are as they are as privileged white as you're ever going to find. But you wrap yourself in this cloak of multiculturalism and all of this wokish stuff, and it's like, oh, that's Trudeau. that's Trudeau. That's, that's that's Trudeau. That's the genius yeah. fox move. <laughs> No, we're, that's right. That's right. We're not even Canada isn't even a nation. We're just a movement of diverse people from around the world who are trying to love the planet as best we can. Shut the hell up, you truckers! I mean, I mean, this is Here's the a picture
3: of me in an Indian costume for me. That's right.
2: <laughs> well, so, I mean, Paul, Paul, can I just ask? So, so, how are you making sense of this in the context of this movie, this Rob Reiner movie featuring all of our favorite evangelical? Um, main, you know, uh, stars. Like, well, the
1: well, evangelicals for a long time, and I'll have I've certainly done this plenty in my own life. In many ways, evangelicals have tried to be the least offensive foxes on the block. You know, Christianity isn't a religion; it's a relationship relationship. Yeah, yeah. And we don't we're not, really we're not have...
3: fundamentalist. We're evangelical. Right, right, right. Yeah. right, we, right.
1: we don't really right. have a church. We're just you know we're just we having have a an movie escuary. theater yeah, yeah with, we're in a movie theater and we're with a we're, concert and a message and a that's TED right talk. that's right a concert and a TED talk that's right and mm-hmm. we'll we'll play whatever movie you, music you like we'll put Jesus in it yeah. and um but and of we'll, course that's, that's the here. packaging of that's a certain packaging of Jesus too Jesus is the nicest guy you'd ever want to meet and um and Jesus wouldn't be mean i mean that is the Jesus that is out there in terms of when people look at the church, say they're not like Jesus. They're mean. It's like, yeah, you haven't really read that yeah, gospel yeah, yeah. book too much. When Jesus talks mm-hmm. about things like whitewashed tombs and mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah,
3: but you see, Paul, Jesus was speaking to the super conservative Pharisees, right? right? right. So, uh, so. <laughs> that kind of stuff is okay. That's what we're doing because we're also talking to the super conservative Pharisees. So we're really we're just like Jesus.
1: Yeah, the so Jewish then when,
0: nationalists, yeah. right. Yeah. And then yeah. When the, unheard, the Jewish nationalists.
1: So then when the unheard guy, the, the unheard people go to San Francisco and are looking around at San Francisco and they go to the city council person and he's still trying to defund the police. And it's like, whoa, that's a, that's a, that's a bold move, buddy, when basically the businesses are leaving your city and you're watching what's happening in these American West Coast cities. And so- and so now you've got, you know, now you've got a very interesting moment where you've got a very interesting alignment of, of the Lions or the would-be Lions, the Orthodox, even though they're not players on the American political scene at all, the Catholics who are sort of, yeah, um, you know, are, are they the brains behind the scene? Are they the ones holding the strings? The evangelicals that are the ones out there in the street, you know, catching crap for being dread Christian nationalists. But but we are at the moment where there's this, you know, and a- I and her Lee has pointed this out for you know more than most people because she comes and says, why don't you Westerners preserve this whole the stuff that I came for, the stuff that put you on top of the heap in the world, mm-hmm. and it's like, and so then of course Jacob is always you know yelling at me to be a lion basically, and it's like. Mm. Yeah, but you gotta understand. There's also something to this Fox strategy that has really, in many ways, won.
3: There's there's something else going on in that trailer. Um, which it, there, there's a very strong racial element to this. Um, so you mean no, notice the voices that they're propping up as the good voices, right? As your black voices, um, liberal black voices, and I mean the one guy. Uh, if if you look him up, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name. He's he's the guy, I think he he gets the last line. Um, but this is a guy who will show up at political rallies in his, you know, priestly vestments. Vestments. Right. You know, and I mean, if you want to talk about Christian nationalism, go to the black church. Yeah. yeah like yeah. You know,
2: yeah, it's unreal. It's unreal.
3: Yeah, like listen to the way they're fusing, you know. The, the political with with the spiritual, right from the pulpit, right from the you know the political, and so um, you know I think what's happening with you know some some strains of white Protestantism is like okay why can't we play that game? So that's why I brought up I brought up Devers in in Oklahoma, you know the kind of stuff that he's uh, saying now that he's won his Senate seat, you could do like like a side by side with things that some, some black politicians have done, it's really not any different, you know?
1: Well, it's, it's also helpful to understand that part of the reason that, first of all, black Protestants are really sort of a different thing from a lot of the white Protestants, but just because of the way their institutions had to develop, because the church for many—I mean, part of the reason Martin Luther King Jr. came up through the church was the church was kind of the only institution they could have. <laughs> I mean, they could they could really be theirs, and so those dynamics in the black church are are very different. And um, but the but the the inter the the little spat. You know the hilarious thing to me is is that you get this you get this book Jesus and John Wayne and this long lit litany of oh these these horrible these horrible Christians that have their their politics and religions all mixed up together and it's like everybody's politics and religion are connected in some ways it's just the different nuances of the connection and so now we come to a point in time where the 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 wasps can you know it's sort of Girardian where um, the scapegoat doesn't work anymore, and so the sort of waspy trick doesn't work anymore, and we're at this point where suddenly you're gonna you're gonna have to have a religious belief. You're gonna have to sort of you can't you you can't anymore just say I don't have a religion. I mean, that's going away. I mean, even the atheists are admitting that now.
2: Maybe you know, even can... a, maybe even especially admitting it now, which is yes. really fascinating to me as an observer.
1: Right. So suddenly I... we're, we're at this moment where, which in many ways we've been trying to avoid since the Thirty Years' War, where we're no longer going to fight over um, metaphysics.
2: Right. Or, right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I was thinking you were talking about this and and I, I wrote myself a note on the drive. Um, you know that 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 whole game was an attempt to solve for violence, right? And so then everything becomes a kind of proxy war for violence, right? We're no longer, you know, literally, you know, lining up, you know, you know, green team versus orange team, or or what have you, on the field in Flanders or something, right? But 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 so then in America, all that gets kind of you know, transposed here, right? Um, so it's like so if, if 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 it was then trying to an, an attempt to solve for violence and it basically worked, but right? But as we all know, you know that there's no such thing as a solution. That you know yesterday's solution bears you know today's problem, right? And so and and so then what are we attempting to solve for now if we once attempted to solve for violence? Are we trying to ass- solve for meaning? Or are we trying to solve for um, power? Right, because power is not the same thing as violence. Like, I, you know, I'm just, I, that's what I've been chewing on all morning long. It's like, what what are we now trying to solve for? I, I think we're
1: trying to answer the question about human nature. I mean, you yourself said it in a previous live stream, Kale. Mm-hmm. The real question is now, what is a human being? Yeah, that's where yeah, the meaning yeah. crisis has brought us. Right, right. right. And and that's why you're winding up with religious answers because that is the level of analysis where you answer that question: What am I?
2: Right, and what was it the Peter Thiel video you were doing uh, the other day with Millerman? You know, you were saying that 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 they put the question because it was just too hot, right? They put the question of what does it mean to be a human being on the side burner. Interesting, of course, because then it births the 20th century in which. It turns out that you know if, if if you're not going to insist that there's a shame, shared human nature that we have to fight over, then we'll just blank blank out whole swaths of people that we don't care for, right? Because if there's no shared human nature, so yeah, no, I think that's. Um, I just are we so are we still in that, or is this a different phase? Well, the the, all, the,
1: Go ahead, Sam. I, I,
0: it's all Unitarianism's fault.
2: Uh Ooh, I love it is even what, even more.
0: <laughs> what I'll say. Um re- like so much uh like oh. Unitarianism, liberalism, and the enlightenment are all basically the same thing. And that the first liberal government in Europe was in Poland from about 1560 to 1650. People forget this. But the Unitarians were being chased around after Michael Servetus was burnt and some Unitarians in Italy. They were trying to figure out a safe place that they could go. They went to Poland because they found some sympathetic princes. And there was a Unitarian not anti-theocracy in Poland for a while that says, how about we don't fight each other? How about we don't kill each other over theology how about we don't do the thing where the prince just gets to decide what religion everyone underneath him is in this new post uh, protestant reformation thing and there was about a hundred year religious peace in poland that was mostly because the unitarians were very influential at the top but they were still a pretty small minority so if you're a small minority who thinks that other kinds of Christians are fine, just mistaken, but knows that the other Christians will kill you if they get the chance and they have the power. What sort of government do you build? You don't build your own theocracy because that will turn the people against you. You build a liberal government and you try and instill the value of toleration and pluralism on broader Christian assumptions. Okay. Sweden invaded Poland. The Catholics rise up, retake over Poland. The Unitarians have to run to England who and they run to John Locke's house basically, and John Locke loved the Polish uh, immigrants from the unit, the escaping Polish Unitarian immigrants. He's like, "Oh, what kind of government did you have? That's fascinating. I didn't know about that. Let me philosophize about this for a little bit and write some books." And then okay, then the Unitarians escape over to North America. Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, etc., are reading them. You know, soaking up as much John Locke as they can get. And that is where Unitarianism and liberalism and the enlightenment are all basically the same thing. Liberalism is Unitarian political theology yeah. is really what it is. And wow. that
2: that's interesting. Yeah. Wow.
0: And what I think happened is that Unitarianism takes over Harvard in like the 1810s or something like that. Right. right. And then from there it keeps spreading. And what, the, what, the deal that Unitarianism made with the devil at this point in time was like, we will open ourselves up to new discovery, to new ideas and new learning on the faith that this will go in a good direction and that we will even sacrifice in some sense the identity that we are now to be transformed into the identity of wherever this path of progress and enlightenment is headed, who knows where, in exchange for the fact that we get to control the reins of this horse. We don't know where the horse is going, but we get the reins, and it's going to be here from Boston.
1: You're better on being the reins side than in front where the, there's all the trampling going on. And I,
0: what I think is happening is that really is the trajectory of American theology and stuff like that, is wherever Boston basically decided to go from there. And what's interesting is like the stuff that's going on at Harvard now, is like the end of that it's like come to some logical conclusion where it was so self-emptying so tolerant so willing to take in things from outside itself that eventually and for a while that gave it so much power because if you can take things from outside of yourself without losing yourself you can gain the power from the outside and America is nothing if not the thing that is incredibly good at strengthening itself by gaining power from taking things from uh, the outside. But it has finally come to the place where it like ate its own tail and is killing itself. And I think that's really what's happening is that the Unitarian bargain with the devil that happened sometime in Cambridge in the 18- early 1800s has played itself out. And we still don't really know what's going to come next after that.
1: Anyway, that so that's Unitarian. that's my says the says so we, the
0: Sam Adams the Unitarian.
1: So we have to yeah. kill Sam as our scapegoat, and the world will be better.
3: He's it's like it's Jonah. He's telling us to throw him off the ship.
2: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, or so maybe I, only
0: a Unitarian can fix it. I don't
2: know. More <laughs> so I'm intrigued by this trajectory, though. I, I I would just there's probably a little bit more. Zigging and zagging up that line than, than a sort of a straight one, right? Because you know, you look at you know, you look at like that mid-century, right? If you look at the mid-century of uh, of, of the nineteenth century rather than the twentieth, and you know, you look at the responses, you know, you have sort of like normy poets, and then you have the kind of the weirdo poets, you know. And and it's important that we remember that you know, somebody like Hawthorne and Melville were definitely like the weirdo poets. You know, they were they were not they did not play well with the Boston establishment, even though they later kind of got adopted as sort of native sons. But that's really not accurate. And, and you know, they went in a sort of decidedly, you know, you know, whatever the I mean, English teachers will call this like dark romanticism or whatever. I'm not sure how helpful that is, but they, you know, they recognize the weak. Gruel of Unitarianism, say of like the ascended Emersonian vision, right? You know, they were like, this dude's, he's, he's a, well, I mean, interestingly enough, he's kind of like Emerson, the George Emerson
0: Pe- was the son of a Unitarian pastor. Yeah. No, no, I know, Boston. I know.
2: Yeah, no, and, and prominent, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and, and, but he was a rock star. I mean, Emerson was a yeah. rock star, you know, mm-hmm. and in like very much the way that Peterson is a man. rock star. Yeah. Yeah. So he's sort of, you know, so Peterson does.
1: Kale, how did you divert the discussion into blaming all this on Unitarians? <laughs> I, I do it, it. Sophistry yeah. at its best.
2: Don't, do not, we were do talking not...
1: about JFK earlier. JFK is the perfect right. example right.
0: Right. of right. the the Unitarians being like, we know that you really deep down want to be like us. So in exchange for you becoming like us, we'll let you in and you get to be powerful, but you have to change who you are to become compatible with our thing. And that is like a symbol of what what I would call the denominationalization of Catholicism, where instead of being a civilizational threat to American democracy, it becomes a Christian denomination that is Propping up democracy instead of threatening it, and gets to be another church on the city square next to all the right.
2: other ones. Right. Well, I, I guess you know if you look at those guys, if you could, if you trace those family lines, you know, like I, I, I don't think I'm wrong. That I think um, Hawthorne's daughter converts to Catholicism in like the late 18. 18- 60s, 70s like post civil war like and it, there's this interesting way in which the, these these early americans who sort of became wealthy um in the boston area you know they they sent their kid, they started sending their kids to europe right uh which again if you would have told the um you know the, the you know the puritans of the mayflower uh, uh you know yeah you know, you your you know, your descendants are going to come become wealthy and go back to europe and look at all the churches and and in 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 you know be impressed. And anyway, they, they would send their kids to Europe, right, um, for culture, right, you know, to get them some culture. It's very similar to the way that we send kids, you know, for college, you know, a year abroad or what have you. And what is interesting is that, you know, then, then the American establishment kind of breaks sort of two ways. They kind of lean into sort of post-Unitarian liberalism, or they become kind of like weird and sort of crypto-Catholic. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a really fascinating, um, move. It's almost like those are your choices, right. In, in this sort of, uh, and I hate, I hate to sort of be overly simplistic, but, but there's something, you know, missing, um, that they see in Europe, um, even if they don't have any access to it, because it's not their, it's no longer their, their tribe. It's no longer their people, you know, so like the entire, you know, body of work of somebody like Henry James is all about like the American girl encountering, you know, the, the cynical European man. Right. And it sort of becomes this sort of this super, um, uh, you know, uh, allegory of, of, you know, the new world, um, feminine and old world masculine and the kind of, you know, decadence that ensues and, you know, anyway, something like that, but it's, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. sorry.
3: Well, um, other thought I had about Europe, yeah, maybe, yeah. This, maybe this is sort of going in a different direction. But, I mean, Europe is also considered to be the seat of higher criticism in the 19th century. But and- German, right?
2: It's it, German's so different, you know, yeah. versus the Italian thing. And Harvard right?
0: was a close follower on the, the higher okay. criticism.
2: Yeah. yeah, because, yeah, I mean, because, well, that was what I got out of the book. You made me read, Paul, one of the, uh, what's his name, the Orange Book, Um Higher ed, American higher ed, your 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 historian guy that you always like.
1: Oh, oh, oh George Marston. Marsden, yeah, Marsden. I mean, basically,
2: the, you know, every mainline Protestant uh, minister went to Germany to learn how to be Hegelian, <laughs> uh, and and part of that 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 whole movement uh, that was and really Swier, news to
0: me. Slier marker too.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, that, that was really news to me. Yeah, I'm using Hegel as shorthand, but you're right. Sorry, you know, uh, but that was really news to me because I, you know, that is not. The, the sort of the Catholic um, genealogy, you know, like that's it. That's definitely a Protestant thing that I did not understand until reading that Marsden book.
3: When my dad was uh, a grad student in philosophy in Vanderbilt, this would have been, let's see, my dad was born in 65. So this would have been early. Yeah. Early 80s. Yeah. Uh, early 90s. Because so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Heidegger was all the rage.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
3: And he, he, he tells a story on himself that like went one day he was walking past the lounge and he heard some girls gabbling about about Heidegger, um, and that they were also talking smack about Descartes at the same time. And my dad was a big Descartes stand, and so like he Funny. saw red and just like went <laughs> into these these Heidegger fangirls. girls. So so anyway, um, but yeah, I mean the, the continental philosophy then very much got transported to. To the states, and so now you know when you talk about philosophy, you really have to get specifically where are we talk about. Are we talk about the analytical strain or the continental strain.
2: Um, Paul, you posed the, the point that I think people got a little upset about about this, uh, and I if, if I think Nate kind of got upset with you, not upset, but that's being. Silly, but anyway, Nate pushed back and hopefully said,
1: Nate Nate will come on a little later. He couldn't come on and right away. Yeah, so you know, you were saying that. Like, oh,
2: you know, you go to D.C. and you see all of this Catholic infrastructure, and I, I'm wondering if you could sort of sort of reset the deck for us on that one, and you know, um, maybe that might help part of this conversation. Well,
1: I, I, you know, so I, I put it. Bethel sent out a a, a piece from Ad Fontes. It's a good
3: piece. Yeah, it is a
1: good piece, and. I, So Nate, Nate basically said, oh, that was true in 1992, but I don't think so. There is, I was having a conversation, who was I talking to, it wasn't online, um, with someone about, that, there is something to what Sam, before you two jumped on, where Sam and I sort of started, there is something to the effect of keeping, keeping everything within an institution that strengthens things. Now, I was talking to Hank about this, um so it's funny. Evangelicalism is like a network. It's, you know, it's, it's intended to be more like the internet. It's sort of, you don't have to go to the same church. You don't have to agree on baptism. You don't have to, I mean, almost, you don't even have to agree on the Trinity. Um, (laughs) And so evangelicalism is sort of this network that, everyone can sort of come into all you need is an IP address and you can participate in it. You know, Catholicism is a different thing. It's within an institution. The Christian Reformed church, I think, tried in the middle of the 20th century when the Calvin philosophy department was at its heyday, when it had Mao and Waltersdorf and Plantinga and Marsden was teaching there. I mean, Calvin in the sixties and seventies tried to sort of we're we're gonna do what the Catholics do, and we're gonna do it in house. Mm. But then, of course, Plantinga goes to Notre Dame. Right, right. Marsden he would spend some time at Notre Dame, but you know, and and they all go out to the bigger places. Mao becomes president of Fuller, and and you basically have the sense that in
2: in, in, in Southern California.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mao was wow, president that's of Fuller. Really in interesting. I didn't well, know Mao, that's really interesting. Mao. You know Mao. If you listen to Mao, Chad would love Mao. You know, went through AA. Um, you know, gained sobriety. Um, also has ministerial credentials. Richard Mao's a super interesting guy. We wanted to have him in in Chino, but he had a he had a conflicting. That would have been a fascinating thing to have Mao with Verveci and Peugeot. But yeah. um, but so so Calvin tried to the CRC tried to do it. The CRC out. You know, it's an inspiring thing, and it was
0: succeeding for a while.
1: Yeah, yeah. Don't cut yourself
0: short. It was, it, it was the, it was doing better than any other Protestant institution at that, as far as I could tell.
3: But then the I think your point is that it scattered then, right? Like,
0: well, that's I mean, prone to schism. Yeah, and in a way that the Catholics are less prone to schism.
2: Yeah, but I think that's under. I think that's over. I don't. It's just somebody from the inside of the Catholic thing. I think that y'all look at us as if we're way more unified than do is. Do not we.
0: underestimate our ability to schism. No, no, no. You <laughs> do not, you <laughs> do not Kale, know Kale how is, further Kale, you can get
3: in but, that. But Sam, but Sam, what Kale is saying is Kale's saying don't underestimate the Catholic ability to schism either. You know, right? Like, that's, so, that's so like Billsbury.
2: I can ask yeah. you one question. Like, let's say I'm in a room of a hundred graduates of a of a, of a Catholic. They have a, 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 they have a college degree from a Catholic institution, right? Let's say there are a hundred of them in the room. And, you know, I, I can line everybody up and I can pretty much, pretty accurately ask them where they got their degree from and maybe even ask them what they studied. And I can tell you without knowing anything else, whether or not they still practice the faith, Okay. So, so you asked earlier, Sam. You know what? What? What is like a definition of a, of a Catholic? I mean, to me, I don't think you can answer it singularly. I think you can't even answer it within a family. But you have to think of it in terms of a, of three generations, right? Mm. You know. So, like the thing that keeps me up every day is that I want to pass on the faith to my children, as it was passed on to me. You know. You know. I'm a little bit of an outlier. I was born in the '70s, right? and i'm one of three boys and all three of us are still practicing catholics that is just a like absolute outlier right just just on the numbers like my younger brother is actually a, a second career he's in the seminary right he's studying to be a priest okay and so 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 my mom's faith given to her by her mom and her father you know has sort of lives in us and you know for me it's it's my faith is almost not real unless my children take it up. Now the, you know, the, 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 forces and the pressures are aligned against me. Right. But I know that there are certain things that I can do um, to make my kid not Catholic. Right. And one of them is to send my children to almost any Catholic college. Wow. Almost any. Wow. <laughs> I'll
0: send them to Hillsdale. It's, it well, like- <laughs> no, well,
2: you laugh, no, you laugh, Sam, but like literally that's on my short list. Yeah. Right? And the only thing, the only thing that would keep me from sending my kid to, to to Hillsdale is just money. Like, that's it. Because at this point, if you don't go, I'm going to name a couple of colleges here. People in the comments can say what they want. But like University of Dallas, Thomas Aquinas College, you know, maybe a Christendom, maybe a Steubenville, um, you know, um, maybe Thomas More College. You know, they're, they're literally like like less than 10. And most of these are micro, micro colleges. okay. but like, I think it is a miracle if you send your kid to Boston College and they remain Catholic. Like I really do. Or Georgetown or Notre Dame. Oh, God. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Notre Dame, you've got a, a better shot. Again, there are certain sort of specific culture. Hey, hey Nate, there are certain uh, specific cultural things that Notre Dame has been able to kind of maintain that make if you want to be Catholic at Notre Dame, you can be Catholic and remain Catholic. OK, but at most other places, I just don't think that's the case. Nate, I don't know, did you hear the the front end of that part? Uh, I was at a work meeting. So Sorry, I, I was basically telling these guys. It was that,
3: dunking on Catholic colleges.
2: Right. They, they, they're gotcha. talking about like the unity of the Catholic church and, you know, never underestimate the Catholics, the, the Protestants ability to schism. And, and I get all that. And that's a sort of also kind of a funny Catholic inside joke, but I was just trying to tell them that, you know, what might appear as sort of this sort of unified thing on the outside is really, Farther, you couldn't be farther from the truth for,
0: for me. My Catholic college
2: experiences it was at one of the most unambiguously Catholic colleges, yeah. Back. And I know where you went. And I, went <laughs> I went to Thomas you know, Aquinas College, yeah. So. And I went to Thomas Moore College back in the day, so it's a yeah, similar yeah. vibe. Like, yeah, most of my friends, you know, just stick most with of the people...
3: colleges with Thomas in the name,
2: be safe, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> you know, so you know, so that you know, but but the, but our experiences that was an outlier experience, right, Nate? Yeah, yeah, yeah very much so. You know, So anyway, my, my example of the 100 you know people with a college degree from Catholic universities in America, I can line you up and I can have a pretty good chance of telling you about whether or not they are practicing Catholics or not. And, so what's your
1: definition of a practicing Catholic?
2: Right. Well, I mean, I mean, the baseline is you go to mass on Sundays. Like that's our obligation. We're supposed to go and we're supposed to go to confession at least once a year, hopefully during the Easter season.
1: So the pope is Catholic.
2: Yes. Although,
1: How about Joe Biden? Is he
2: Catholic? Again, that. you know, by the, no. I, I I can't I don't know what he says in confession, but you know, um, I have a hard time with that one personally, just because I think his political commitments are counter ultimately counter. Um, he's not the only one, and he's not the only one. You know, there's plenty on the right that could, could, could qualify for similar um, raised eyebrows on my part. But um, I it's, just it's don't like, see. Um,
3: who was the bishop who refused communion to Nancy Cordelia,
2: Cord- Cordiglione.
3: Yeah, right. Yes. Um, and I think that was completely appropriate. To
2: yeah, really right. And of course, you know, but again, all of the mainstream Catholic university types, right? All of them were universally disgusted by that in very much the same way that a David French or, or a Christian Cobes Dumais would be horrified about that version in their own circles. Oh, like it's Chris exactly is, the same. Be,
0: just, beware, beware refusing communion to politicians by their political stances, because this is why Catholicism and democracy struggle. If there is someone who has political authority over an elected politician's conscience then it messes with the ability of democracy to function in the way that it was designed. And you might say, so much the worse for democracy. I know that there's plenty of people out there in our little corner of the internet who think that. But that is what I'm saying, is this is why democracy has a little bit of an anti-Catholicism immune system. Is because if you can get, you know, a whole bunch of people elected into public office and there's someone above them who can tell them what to do at expense of their immortal soul, that's a it, it harms democracy. Yeah, but Sam, work. I
3: don't I don't think that it bothered Nancy Pelosi that much to to not. Oh, right. Yeah, right she, which is she, why she, I, she, which she is why
0: didn't cause a crisis because she's a Protestant. But and, and so that's why it was able to work. But that's what I'm saying. Be careful if you go down that road. Because let's imagine that you do, you know, get enough authority over these Catholic politicians. Then people are going to start wondering if I should elect Catholics because I'm not actually electing the Catholic. I'm electing the pope and, or their bishop or, you know, are they in a conservative bishopric or a liberal bishopric? Right? You know, those sorts of questions come into play when uh, bishops start having authority over uh, politicians voting. So that, that, that's part of my point. I'm not saying that Nancy Pelosi is a good representative of Catholic teaching. I'm not defending that. But what I'm saying is the ecclesiology and the political stuff will get complicated if those things get too intertwined.
3: Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm a Protestant. And I mean, if she were a Protestant, I, I don't think she should take communion either. So to me, I don't think this is limited to Catholicism.
0: But you think that as your own personal conscience, and if your pastor was telling you things against your own personal conscience, you'd go to a different church. Yeah,
1: and the Protestants always have that option. So maybe right. a, and, a and, let's say a, a Californian uh, politician comes to my church and does something, and I say I'm not serving you communion anymore. You go across the street.
2: You go across. Right, right, right. Well, right. And, and, and look to that point, I think Sam, you have, you do have a point, right? Because I mean, look the the we have a closed we have a closed um, uh, communion, right? You know, so, so, you know, yeah,
3: but, but they could, I mean, and this goes back to Kale, your earlier point about the variety of Catholics. You could go across the street to the liberal Catholic priest, okay? You know, like, right, just, just like there's, okay, like James Martin will give you communion, you know, like,
2: you might even marry. You you can
0: always just fly to the Vatican and then get communion to uh, show your bishop what's what, right? Isn't that right? But but remember,
2: but Sam, remember the, the, you're, the way that, the sort of the governing structures of Catholicism work is that, you know, the bishop is your pastor, right? Territorially, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The bishop is your pastor. And so the the pastor has a unique responsibility and relationship with members of his flock. So, you know, uh, now in the spirit of collegiality, let's say that I'm the Bishop of Rhode Island and you're the Bishop of, 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 Chicago, uh, you know, and I say that this politician can't receive communion, and then that person goes over to your diocese and receives communion from you, you know, that is a violation of sort of the the sort of the collegiality. But it, again, technically speaking, you're in, you're within your prerogative, um, you know, to do such a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So again, I I, I guess the, the, the more important point is that that, that there is a, there is a low resolution unity <laughs> right and, and i and, and i well, that's I'm, because i'm, 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 I'm telling on myself took your teeth I, away but right but, that, I'm, that, well, but yeah. I'm telling on myself here a little bit in my own kind of weakened ecclesiology in the last decade of my life right you know that 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 there is this 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 low resolution sense of unity but like don't put on your glasses cuz if you start really kind of poking around there's some like fancy stuff going on that you know, moving things around. And I don't know, you know, there's, there's just a lot. It's a it's a much bigger mess. Certainly, it is a much bigger mess in my appreciation of things than it was for me 15 years ago.
0: And I appreciate what you're saying. I'm saying if it wasn't that kind of a mess, and if the ecclesiology were working as designed, that's where you can see how Protestantism and democracy gets a little bit worried About and you can even see similar things with Mormonism, right? You know, similar questions were being asked of Mitt Romney. Well, like, do your bishops in the Mormon church have authority over you to decide how you're voting? So it's not a uniquely Catholic thing per se.
2: Okay, so then so then my question to you as a Protestant is is this are you just is it really just you? Like, like, like. In other words, if if I press you on, like, say, an opinion you have, right? I mean,
0: I've been pressed a lot. You, nobody, 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 nobody
2: well.
1: can be in politics and be married <laughs> because their wife <laughs> is good or their yeah. husband is good.
2: <laughs> right. Well, well, that that's kind of what I'm getting at, Paul. Right. Like, I feel, and maybe this is just a phenomenological argument, but I feel that there's always somebody who catches our conscience, who acts as our backstop. Right. And, and I feel like I'm allowed a certain amount of honesty in that because I can just say, well, you know, the pope is the guarantor of orthodoxy, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. You know, so if like, I really press you, like, what is your guarantor of orthodoxy as a Protestant man?
0: The Bible in my conscience is sort of the classical biblical answer. But I or Protestant answer. But I mean, but for, I, you I, could drive a back
2: I, truck through that though. I,
0: I know. And I, and what I'm yeah. saying is, is I'm sort of almost over-exaggerating the Protestant stance to yeah, show that I yeah. think there are things about it that are starting to crumble and not work anymore because, because of I agree with the criticisms that you're you're pointing
2: at. I mean because don't you always think that it is a person though? Like I know you could the person of Jesus. Again, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. But like I feel like there's always there's a person who like holds that part of your conscience. And maybe I'm making a much larger question or point than just about me and the Pope say, but like, like, is it my wife? You you know, is it, is it, is it my, my brother? Is it my mom? Like, I, I feel like, you know, we, you know, you talk about the two little guys who sort of hang out on your shoulders, you know, like like, we say it's our conscience, but like really, maybe I just don't, Mm-hmm. Maybe I believe that there's always a person um behind this thing we call conscience.
1: But now let's let's and Sorry. I think Kale, Kale drives us into this space where we've got Steve. So Steve, your friend Skojek. Skojek, Skojek, jack. So, yeah. You know, Steve deconstructed, left the Catholic Church. I mean, he couldn't couldn't take it anymore. So it's funny we had the Aaron Wren thing that's like, why are everybody becoming Catholic? Well, and also Orthodox, but you know, it was it was quite interesting when I watched the the guy, the Harvest guy who was saying, yeah, you know, orthodoxy is gaining people through the Peugeot Peterson is gaining that. But overall, their population, they're losing population. <laughs> and, you know, the Catholics have some of those same dynamics. And and we are in a place where I think this is very much the meaning crisis where your question, Kale, we're is there a there where do we come from is there anything under there or did did mike pence really not eat with women because his wife was insecure i mean there Mm -hmm. i said it uh Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's the case or not i've got no inside information with respect to mike pence but Mm -hmm. um and that sort of i think lean puts us into this you know i'm gonna people are saying you know Oh, poor Bethel can't get a word in edgewise and I'm thinking, do you really know Bethel? You you really think if she wants to talk, she's not yeah. going to talk. And, That's you know, funny. Little little
3: Bethel sitting by the side. Yeah, yeah. Um so let me say that Cabo right now.
1: <laughs> someone said someone mentioned that. But uh, this sort of leads me kind of the
3: Bethel talks when she has something to say
1: <laughs> that, that's right. Um, the, the just I I entirely like space right now, and you know, part of the reason I wanted Bethel on here is because she is a walking encyclopedia about so many of these things. I mean she she just i there's sometimes I confuse her with the internet because she she knows a lot about a lot of things and um but and so now we're also in this space where, it's, it's almost a mere Christianity space. This, this ecumenism that we're experiencing in the corner. I mean, we sort of handle lightly. I mean, even, even Sam, the non-Trinitarian and we've got the Orthodox and the Catholics and the Dutch Reformed and, you know, Bethel is, you know, Anglican is sort of the, you know, the great, the great wobbly denomination where you can yeah, be just about but, and anything. I
3: can, so if I can contribute a little bit from my own my own particular Anglican roots are sort of interesting in this conversation because um, when you say Anglican, that's, a, that, that's vague. You really have to kind of get specific and go, OK, well, what kind of Anglican, yeah. like, where yeah. and when? So yeah. so my, yeah. my particular Anglican heritage is the continuing Anglican heritage. This was a breakaway uh, denomination from the main line in the 70s. Um, they, they didn't like women's ordination. They, they could sort of read the tea leaves and, and see that the main line was sinking leftward. Um, and so then they, they broke away. They started this continuing Anglican, Anglo-Catholic church. So that was when the, my childhood parish was founded. Um, so then that's, that's where I grew up. And it, you know, it was this quiet little bubble really, uh, you know, of, of Anglo-Catholic worship with the Book of Common Prayer, uh, you know, the 1928 version was what we used, and liturgy and sacrament where, you know, we were just sort of left alone to to do our thing. Um, and then very sadly that parish finally um, ended last year. And, you know, it, it was tough. I tried to join um, a, an ACNA church plant here in Lansing, but uh, sadly they couldn't get off the ground. They had to, uh, they had to close. So, um, I'm actually currently attending an OPC church, a Presbyterian church, um, because you know, it's, it's, the, it's the sort of closest thing in, in my neighborhood um, where I just sort of happen to kind of feel comfortable. And so, and, and the kind of church that I grew up in is very difficult to find.
1: But, but, the, you don't but, say, yeah. but the difficulty, I mean, what's so interesting about this this current moment with those who are going into church, it's almost impossible, it seems, to go into church in a way other than sort of in a Protestant mode. You might be going, that's, you know, part of what I've said about the Orthodox. And I'm going to, you know, you and Sam, you said the denominationalizing of the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, technically, they're not a denomination the way all the Protestant churches are. But it's like, there's this menu ahead of, do
2: I? Yeah, but guys, guys, I mean, what, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I'm fortunate because I live and work at a monastery that has a, you know, it's a serious monastery and they have a solid liturgy. It's nothing fancy, but it's very solid. But I guarantee you, if I didn't live here, I'm sure I'd be driving across town or across the state to go to a Latin mass. I'm just telling you right now. Right. Oh and no, so, I, I'm not having yeah, any, any no, doubts about I your know, I'm i I'm, I'm, I'm affirming what you're saying, Paul. In other words, like yeah. we're all in this moment looking for yeah, we're all in this moment where we're actually right. all of us are looking, whatever labels are yeah. on, on the outside of the building, you know. This
3: is I mean, yeah, this is also interesting for me to watch because I like I, I am simultaneously right now looking at friends and acquaintances who are like photo negatives of each other here. Yeah. It's yeah. like at the at the same time that I see people who are fleeing or have fled Catholicism for orthodoxy or or something else i mean like literally just had a reader write the other day uh, he's a catholic lawyer he said he's having kind of a catholic crisis of faith um but at the same time i've got these protestant friends this very energetic young evangelical couple and they're becoming catholic you know because they're like they want to be based in trad they want to be cool with their you know right um so i'm in a position where i can sort of wave at everybody and, and wish everyone well where they land because i you know in spirit i'm i'm very Lewisian. i have this kind of ecumenical big tent yeah. can't we all just get along to save babies kind of uh, <laughs> you know political view of things um but i mean if somebody asked me, I mean, this Protestant couple, I know they didn't like consult with me before becoming Catholic, which is <laughs> fine. They didn't, they didn't need to, but um, you know, if, if they had, then I would have told them honestly what I think and I would have said a lot of the kinds of things that Kale was saying, even though Kale, God bless you, Kale, you're still in, sticking in there, you know, fighting the good fight, but I would have told them, look, I don't know if you're going to find what you're looking for when you get there. Now, I think a lot of this is going to come down to the community where you are you know, I, because it could be that maybe this couple I know, it, they're going to find a sort of enclave of based tradness sure. in, right. in their area, in which case, great, you know, maybe right. they can flourish there. Their kids will be but, happy. But yeah, yeah, jumping. So yeah, so I,
2: I this is kind. This is really something that's been kind of popping in my head as we've had this conversation. But I think that this is where this whole sort of. Mode of prolificity that we've been operating in has to come into question. So, Paul, you just got finished saying, right, that that you know, the the Orthodox Church has been the direct benefit and indirect beneficiary of your Pajos and, and all this online stuff, right? So, you like you know, loads of people who are flocking to the Orthodox Church, right? But let you know, pump the brakes here a little bit, right? Let's look back at the whole thing. There are not legions of people converting to the Orthodox Church right now. There are very selective people who find their way into your consciousness, Congress, and through this channel and this little corner who are gravitating to these kinds of things. And so much of this stuff takes place in here, on this little screen, as we're doing it right now. Right. We might even and, know most of them. Literally, <laughs> right. if we right. saw the list, yeah. it would be like, "Oh, oh that, comment I, I, yeah. person, right. that comment section person, that comment section."
1: But right, yeah.
2: And so, <laughs> and so, so, and so, this is sort of interesting for me because I spend so much, as you know, like I spend a lot of time on, on Twitter, et cetera, and 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 for me, it's an absolute lifeline. It's it's an absolute lifeline for me, and I'm never going to talk trash about Twitter because it's been really good for me. Like I needed it. It, it mm-hmm. it's doing a thing. I'm making real connections to real people. Right? Okay. Period. Full stop. But this is not reality. Right. And so so part of me sort of, you know, that that Mueller book, Mueller book was really helpful for me because I recognize that I've been kind of playing. Now I kind of knew this, but I really now have language to recognize what I'm doing and what I'm projecting. I would I would part ways with Mueller by saying that, yeah, but I also I play a profile in my day to day life, too. I'm Mr. Zeldin. I am in the front of the classroom. I'm Pastor Paul, right? I mean, you know, like you know, we dress up for a living, right? And so we're we're already playing the profile game. From I know denim jokes aside, right? You know, we already we already play roles, right? No, I'm not a nihilist. I think that Mueller is probably a, a a practical nihilist, and I and I don't understand that personally. Okay, I do think that there is a a, a an underneath reality, you know, thus my work, right? That that is that is meaningful and real. In, in every sense that way. And so my goal is to align whatever it is I'm projecting out into the world um, with what we, we would say the sort of the spirit of authenticity and maybe even, you know, the spirit of um sincerity or
1: profilicity.
2: Since sincerity, right? Right. And 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 I would just anybody who goes down the, the Mueller rabbit hole, it's not necessarily a progression. So just be careful of making it sort of an historical epoch type thing. Right. But anyway. Um, my, my point here is that with this, we're, we're looking for mean, like the meaning crisis, right? It's ultimately an embodiment crisis, right? And so so for me, so much of what has sort of kept me from diving full into like my YouTube channel and doing all this sort of stuff is because I, re- I reserve this kind of deep skepticism about it as even a place, right? And the only way that I can kind of come to peace with it is that I have to recognize that it is purely liminal it is purely a portal to get me there and back and there and back and there and back again. Right. And so ultimately, you know, does Twitter matter if I'm at mass in the midst of a liturgy and the priest is sensing the altar? Right. And, 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 am I in a community? So you talked about, you know, these, your friends who did not consult you. Right. Uh, But they're probably looking for something that the four of us are not looking for. Right. I mean, most people don't, do the Twitter thing. Most people don't even do the YouTube thing, right? I think most people like go about their lives. And so all of this sort of chatter um, has to take into account that that we're the weirdos.
0: Yeah. And I, well, one thing I think about is I think that we're in some sort of moment that's like Protestant Reformation esque in terms of the explosion of information and who gets to make their thoughts known and a breaking down of the establishment organs of uh, mm-hmm. publishing and sense making. But one one question I have is: Where are all the new denominations? Where are yeah, all the yeah. new kinds of yeah. Christianity? Yeah, and, and there because there are like. In the 1500s, you know, right after Luther was nailing on a door, there was an explosion of a bunch of new types of Christianity. Okay, in England, in like the late 1600s and 1700s, sort of once England stopped fighting over this stuff, explosion of lots of kind of denominations. The burned over district in upstate New York in the 1800s, bunch of different denominations. The Pentecostal explosion, bunch of different kind of denominations. Okay, so that's like every 100 years or so, Protestantism goes through some sort of you know, Cambrian explosion of innovation. And then there's normally a bunch of new kinds of churches that have a new kind of name and new leaders that have a new vibe um, in them. But right now, none of this, I think there are new vibes, but they're not resulting in new institutions. It's sort of like when Ross Douthat asked, why doesn't Marion Williamson found a church? But part of that was back in the day, you know, when there was a new something going on, there was some charismatic teacher leader that was talking to his friends and his family and people in his town, and he got enough people together listening to him. And then okay, boom, you get a hundred people, you can start a church, and it keeps growing and you start one in your neighboring town and it goes from there. Because the people that you're influencing are real life connections. So it's easy to build a real life institution once that gets enough momentum. But now we're having all of this electronic influencing. And I have no idea who in my real life is actually listening to this stuff, or most likely, like you're saying, Kale, not listening. And so I have almost no ability, or it's extremely difficult to turn this into a real life thing. And like the estuary stuff is like the best we got so far. But I think that's part of why these don't result in new institutions is the disembodiedness that it just doesn't leave a very natural easy path into making a actual new church or denomination.
2: So, so I'm going to throw something in here that might be weird, um, but I've been going pretty deep down the whole ufology hole, uh, rabbit hole, and, you know, the Jacques Ballet and the Pasolka and all that sort of stuff. And he had this sort of tongue in cheek phrase, right, for this, this invisible college, right? This invisible college was a kind of loose consortium of secret scholars who were kind of, doing this esoteric work right and and i and i wonder if something like this little corner is a kind of version of you know this invisible college it's very visible if you tune in right i mean it's like you know i know paul has a couple of private things that 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 if you're not a member you can't see but but it's largely very very visible but you know it, it's sort of hiding in plain sight in plain sight and so are we sort of playing this kind of esoteric role of sense-making, you know, where you can come if you want, but the gate, you know, it's not a locked gate. It's just like, it's kind of like a geek gate, right? You know, it's, well, it's nerdy, talky, as you, what do you always say? Thinky-talky, nerd, nerdy, right? Well, it, but I game. think,
1: you know, Sam's, so one of the things that I look at is, I was watching, how, how many of these, how many of these influencers now aren't on Rumble? Or there's a few of these like uh Scott Adams has his thing on locals or something. So there are these, there are these little church like things. And Scott Adams, Marianne Williamson, these would all be founders of new sex at some point, you know, 150 years ago. And now they're inhabiting this other space. I mean, Grim Grizz is in some ways a, right. a cult right. leader of a tiny little cult, the little Grim Grizz cult. Um, but no, you're you know you're right, Sam. And but then that leads to the other question of embodiment and instantiation. That these these churches, because of the mode that they they lived in and worked in, they had a durability that all of the churn. In the cyber world, is just going to sort of blow away, and this little corner too. I mean, there's a cult-like aspect to this. Um, a, a really great conversation. It's still behind the membership section. It's going to come out with Neil, but Neil made the point that you know the, the rela- military understands cults, and it's basically what keeps a cult from being a cult is that a cult is really about sort of the. The tyranny of this of Jim Jones to get you know to sleep with all the women and have everybody kill themselves for him. That's really what a cult is like, and and these other organizations, they they aren't really a cult around an individual who is basically manipulating everybody everybody for his is his individual passions. So um, yeah, ooh, I'm in a cult. There you, there, there Guys, you go, Monica.
3: I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go touch some grass here. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Well, maybe good it's... Good to see you, Bethel. Good to see you. Thanks, Bethel, for coming in. So maybe it's a good time to transition into the questions. So if any of you want um, want to ask a question, put question in all caps. And if we don't get a lot of questions, don't ask. If you want to come into the stream, don't ask any questions and then I'll drop the link. Question. Um. Wait, Paul, isn't the first part of your communion? Uh, this is not the table of living stones. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's the that's the Protestant denomination thing, where Protestants do this weird move of saying the Christian Reformed Church is not the only church, and of course this comes out of the code of the Reformation, and then of course, of course, now you've got Vatican II, where uh, I mean I'm not going to get into I don't know near enough to get into the the weeds of what did Vatican II really say with respect to the uniqueness of Rome? But um, but it's yeah, pre- and it's it's
2: pretty robust. What what's pretty robust? Its claims. Yeah, I mean, well, and it, yeah, it's pretty robust. And
1: and Father Eric asked, I'll why right was why hasn't Bishop Eric founded a new order? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: What um, do you mean by that question? I I, I mean.
1: Would well, I, his um, so word on fire. What is word on fire? Right, what right, word? Right, right, what right. would word on fire be three hundred
2: years ago? Um, I mean, it, it would have been. Um, oh, I see. I'm sorry, I misunderstood the question, Father Eric. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think um, you know. I know nothing, of course. So here I am talking, um, but. As I told you, Paul, I think in one of our very first conversations many, many years ago now, it is so weird that Bob Barron is a bishop. It is, it, is, it is not the way that politicians climb up the greasy pole, right? He did not play the chancery politics game in order to get that. He may have been named a bishop. And again, I'm totally riffing here. I have no insider information. But he may have been named a bishop so as to keep him in uh, in 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 official church, as opposed to becoming a, a you know a Dominican or a Jesuit or Franciscan or a Benedictine or or what have you, right? It, it may be the case you know that 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 was a move similar, I think, to the way that that um, Fulton Sheen was named a bishop. You know, these are not typical political bishops; these are superstars, right? who uh get the, the the job I mean it's a job and I don't want to pretend it's not a job but th- that's my sense of it right yeah. that 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 maybe him being named a bishop was the way of keeping him in um the official church not that Jesuits aren't part of the official church but you know what I'm saying not yeah. in an order
1: and, and and the the Catholic Church has had ways of doing this in the past of mm-hmm. Of helping find sort of the right context for a particular giftedness. I mean, Bishop oh, Barron is a yeah. very unique individual because yeah, yeah. he is both a, a world class theologian, philosopher, yeah. and he can talk on camera. Uh, and he has a personality. Mm-hmm. That's a very unusual. Yeah, no, um,
2: he's hyper skilled. He's, he's, he's hyper novel, actually. Um, uh, not novel, but he's, he's unique. Let's yeah. put it that way. And I would say that, you know, My suspicion is that what the church thought they could do with Luther was what they were able to do with a very, very different guy in Francis. I really believe that they thought they could kind of make Lutheranism, you know, a Lutheranist order, but obviously it, 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 it didn't work out that way for reasons that they were not able to anticipate or see. Yeah. Um, but I, I do like, because that's how they dealt with Luthers before.
1: Yeah. 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 No, yeah. that's a great point. I don't chat. I don't know exactly. I see you mentioned contestants often. What do you guys think we are, um, that about that? We are no longer Protestants, but we're more like contestants. Is that we're? I,
2: th- I think I know what he means. Explain it to me. I, like, in other words, um, is a contestant, someone who just like literally is like, a uh, you know, if you think of like a game show. You know, and, and a contestant is like the guy that who's like behind a little podium and gets to like play Jeopardy. You know, maybe we're maybe that's the participatory revolution, right? That um, you know we all have a channel, we all have uh, we all have a profile, and this is part of the the, the the new the new digital reality. Is that we're not we all think we are the star of our own show. Well, and I think that
1: connects with David Walker's question here. The trend in Protestant churches seems to be taking off the denominational label yeah yeah and that's again that's yeah 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 that's a great that's a great point in this conversation uh spat <laughs> says what does what does a fox it what does a fox imply esotericism and not being honest about one's one's true beliefs mm-hmm. i don't i don't think that foxes mm-hmm. are necessarily dishonest about their beliefs but it is a tactical move and and as a pastor i know this tactical move if if you're dealing with someone who is experiencing difficulty, they're acting out. They're uh, not, they're not really it very very well in control of things. Often, if you sit down and draw them out and have them talk a little bit, they'll begin to regain control of themselves because a mm-hmm. lot of their frustration is nobody's listening to me, and so I'm 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 going to try to shout because then people will listen to me. And it's like settle down, start talking it's, it's very much a therapeutic move. And, and in many ways, the, the Fox style of leadership is all about the triumph of the therapeutic. And it's triumphed because it works because people, you know, you want to, you want to gain an enemy, treat someone poorly. You want to gain an ally or a friend, treat someone well. It's sort of like, you know, the two ideas of, well, here we captured this person from Al-Qaeda and we want to make them talk. One way is to torture them. Yeah. The other way is to let their guard down, put them in a nice space, treat them well. Eventually they'll begin to consider you their friend and then they'll confide in you and then they'll tell you their secrets. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's mm-hmm. sort of the, the other way of, you know, it can, and it could be incredibly manipulative, but it's also very powerful
2: well it's ultimately luciferian i should say yeah, it's ultimately- uh, at, at least at least in the idiom of of paradise lost right you know if you have you know if you look at the, the 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 four speakers in um in pandemonium you know you've got the total war guy and then you've got the like well let's you know we, we you know it's gavin newsom is the number 2 guy <laughs> belial and then you've got the guy who's like you know screw god we're just going to make uh, the best of it here right uh, and those are the three main i'm not going to get into the last one but you know uh, I think the mode of the Fox is the mode of Belial is the mode of the politician. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: Upcycle. Thank you. Upcycle. Merry Christmas to the, mm-hmm. to this little corner from a fringe, virtually not alone. Rebel may next year uh, shower all with blessings and joy. Thank you. Thank you. Um In the context about doing each other in love, who's winning. <laughs> I don't know who the contestants are necessarily. Um Oh uh, what are what are our parachurch our parachurch mini churches? Yes, yeah, sort of and you know, and one, one of the interesting things is that again, the Catholics the 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 Catholics had all sorts of ways of incorporating that dynamic um and and Protestants are very new and so the parachurch sort of, Came up to be, they're not exactly churches, but they're sort of like churches, and it's also deeply Protestant. Is that they're kind of under the umbrella? Um, Mark Knoll's thesis of the Christianity in America, which is basically that you know part of what happens in the American civil in the American Revolutionary Wars, the British are trying to keep the Americans on one side of the Appalachians, and Americans are like, "There's free land out there," and the Indians, I mean, we're going to beat them one way or another. And so we want that land. And so part of the American Revolution is get the British to stop, you know, keeping us, keep get the British to stop, um, you know, guaranteeing Indian rights so we can yeah. go and, you know, take their stuff. And <laughs> so what happens is is colonization outstrips the institutions of the church. So the Bible itself starts acting sort of like an institution and right. that's where in Protestant land right. you get Bible believing churches that's right. and that that's right. becomes an implicit guarantor of things. And that's part of what happens with, uh, with parachurches. Um, all right. Oh, strange theology has a question. How broadly can we interpret the body of Christ and stay consistent with first Corinthians 12 12 to
2: 27. I wish I could rattle off 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, but I'll out myself as... Uh, Just uh, as a it body, no talking one about has many parts.
1: Yeah. Well, no, it's, 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 it's the body and it's the giftedness of the body and it's Paul's metaphor of, um, you know, in, in other words, don't the different And we're going to count the Catholics and the Orthodox as denominations. Don't these different traditions within the body of Christ also function in the same way that Paul talks about? As the Pentecostals do this, it's sort of Richard Foster's streams of living water. You have all these streams, and and I I see it that way. The Catholic Church does, you know, for the Orthodox, it's liturgy. For the Catholics, it's sacrament, and. That's not the reduction of them. For the Protestants, it's preaching, and for the Pentecostals, it's you know. So there's some the, of the that. first
0: part of First uh, Corinthians 12 is what yeah. the yeah
1: the, the verses right above
0: those verses are the Pentecostal verses.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay, CW, could Kale briefly touch on his recent George Bailey moment so we can all reaffirm our own wavering faith in humanity? I don't think you have to.
2: I'm I'm not ready. I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude. Uh, just shock, but thank you. Sorry. We love you, Cale.
1: Um, on the whole, do you remain hopeful of what Newhouse called a Catholic moment? <laughs> uh, uh, you better flesh that out a little bit. That's Richard so John so Father, Newhouse, Father, right? Yeah,
2: Father John, Richard John Newhouse, um, founder of First Things Convert uh, from, I believe he was a Lutheran pastor, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, he was Lutheran. Um, you know, he, and no, I don't, I I don't, Remain hopeful in that way um, because I think it was meant in a very specific context that this was kind of a moment that Catholicism would come in. And I think, in his worldview, uh, re, uh, reinscribe and reaffirm the United States of America. Um, so I think it was a very much, I mean, look, he was a, a neocon. And he very much believed in that kind of John Courtney Murray, George Weigel view that um, America was Catholicism and Catholicism, you know, that was all kind of I, I'm just not there personally. I mean, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for those guys, but I don't I don't think it means I don't think it means anything in the way that he first uttered those words back in the 90s or 80s, whenever it was. Sorry, I,
1: I don't know what to do with Anselman's question. Is it public apostasy to apostasy to participate in worship of religions that reject
2: the Lord Jesus Christ? Can an apostate still be pope? So yeah, the, I don't, do you, do you know who Anselman is? I mean, I know him from the comments, but where where does he come from? Is he Catholic or no?
0: I think he's a, a Scottish. I don't think he quite is SSPX, but
2: maybe okay, yeah, close. Okay, so he's yeah. so he's on the trad side. Yeah, and of course that's the question, right? Did did the Pope worship Pachamama uh, in the Vatican Gardens during the uh, synod on the Amazon, right? Um, and therefore, did if he did worship uh, this Pachamama thing, which you know, I think the Pachamama thing is a problem. I don't, you know. Look, I mean, then, then you could say the same thing about John Paul II and Benedict because John Paul II kissed the Quran at, at, at Assisi. I mean, I'm not going to win this argument. I don't know. It's a problem, Anselman. I, I think it's a problem. What yeah. do you want from me?
1: <laughs> is the question whether lion or fox is better or is it an intent to find a third way? Do spiritual realities supersede practical political realities? I, I think... I think... Part of the reason WASP leaders in America adopted the Fox posture is because of what Sam noted about the way, the different way that the American empire works. The American empire doesn't work by, you know, Donald Trump in the election to 2016 says, you know, gosh, we conquered Iraq and we gave back all that land. No, that's totally the American imperial way to conquer Iraq and then, Give it to hopefully a regime that's going to make sure that the oil gets used in ways that are, you know, that that American for the most part wants. So it's part of the uh, America is a very foxy empire and people who are sort of like now we should be lions. It's like, yeah, but even after being do you really want to occupy Iraq? Very quickly, we decided. You know, look look how long we were in Afghanistan and right. Um,
2: but it's, Paul, it, you
1: know,
2: yeah, you, you look at some some of the work that Rod Dreher has been doing lately. You know, he's living in Budapest and and writing for the America, uh, the European Conservative now. And you know, and one of the things that he constantly talks about, you know, is that he he had never fully appreciated um, uh, the way in which American imperialism worked vis-a-vis the state department versus the united states marines and and you know i think that that has always been part of empire building you know armies get the the press and and the and the pictures right but where the real work happens is when these when the state the diplomats department,
0: pick up the phone to each other yeah
2: you know and, and say look like, look fly fly the, the the progress pride flag or you don't get funding you know like that that's that to me is the the bully part yeah. of empire that we well, don't, that we rarely talk about.
1: And, you know, even I was amazed how long I lived before I had a, much of an understanding about the Suez Crisis.
2: Right, right,
1: right. Where basically right. the French and the Brits are like taking over, and Eisenhower picks up the phone and says, yeah, It's time for you to go. <laughs> you don't yeah. control the important waterways anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so Engl- uh, England and No France. one does,
2: but we do actually. Yeah. Sorry,
1: your has been. We'll call on you when we need you to do something. Thank you very much. Um, Um,
0: I think that there's something a little bit like Fox and lion isn't maybe quite right as masculine versus feminine power. And uh, the feminine power is sort of the power to seduce and to set the frame of the conversation. And America has shockingly good feminine power. And part of the way that America works is that we have just this unending faith in our ability to seduce people just enough to be able to cooperate with us. And like even George Bush was like, all right, once we, once we create the power situation such that democracy can flourish, no one will be able to resist that. And it'll just happen. And it's just these weird structural Saddam Hussein things that are in the way. Um, And so it it was like masculine power with the faith that the feminine power would ultimately win. And I think we're, I think the feminine power, well, it still has a lot of. I'm not going to say it's done, but there, because there's still a lot of juice left there. But
1: um, the shadow matriarch is America. The shadow matriarch. So, is the American conservatism crypto Catholic or not? We never answered the question.
2: Mm. Um, I, um, it certainly seems to have produced again, since the council, I mean, that might be an easier conversation, Sam, you know, since, you know, say 1965, let's call it, um, it certainly seems to have produced a lot of the intellectual justification or, or, or case for American conservatism, right? Whether that's still true. And I think that's probably what Nate was probably objecting to, Paul. I think that's probably changed a decent amount, the Supreme Court notwithstanding. Um, But man, I I think that we maybe people need to talk more seriously about the death of of neoconservatism as as a force. I mean, it is it's amazing to me, you know, as someone who grew up in all of that, that it's it's like dead. I mean, you know, like, I mean, it's like you want to kiss a death, you know, like try to be a young person and be a neocon. <laughs> yeah, it just it's, yeah. It's, it's it's like unheard of. It's just like it it just uh, doesn't make any sense. So I don't know where where this uh, American um, conservativeism is right now, Sam. Yeah. What do you got?
0: I think that that's the what I was going to say is what's American conservatism right now, yeah. and it's it, like is Donald Trump, who let's just like give him the credit that he's yeah. due, is by far the most influential thing in American conservatism right now. Hate it or love it, like yeah. it's, it's so true. true. I so mean, so. like, what, like, he doesn't even need to debate anyone. And right. Nikki Haley can get like up to 15% in the polls or something like
2: that, right? right? No, it's, um, it's astounding. It's astounding. And look, and again, like, how Catholic
0: yeah. is Donald Trump? What what does <laughs> yeah. this crypto Catholic yeah. thing yeah. have over Donald Trump? What influence right. do they have over him? Like, none that I can tell. So, right. I, I and mean, Nikki Haley, it.
2: I mean, Nikki Haley would have been an absolute dream candidate 15 years ago. Yes. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, a, a conservative, a neoconservative woman of color. Oh, man, I would have like high five With the you southern accent the accent the of, a southern accent. We're going to wait by double yeah. digits. You know, whatever. Garbage. Wow.
1: All right. So what are your thoughts concerning the church needing to die and be resurrected, transfigured sacramentally with Christ? Unrecognizable? Yeah.
0: <sighs> I mean, this is like the question that Peugeot and Verveke talk about, where Verveke likes it when Peugeot says that the church sort of needs to die and rise again. I don't, I think that would be a really big sacrifice that might, I don't know, that would cost a lot. And but, I, go ahead.
2: Yeah. No, no, no. Keep going. Keep going.
0: And I'm not, I mean, I do think that things will change. But I think that Christianity needs a sense of continuity with itself to really be historically credible. And people, all that we talk about people flocking to Catholicism and Orthodoxy, part of what they find attractive is a greater sense of historical continuity and historical self awareness right. than the evangelical megachurch that they grew up in. And then, like, you know, they read Church Fathers and they're like, what? There's all this stuff I didn't know and because they were never taught and so i this idea of the church dying and resurrecting i don't know i feel like that's some you know that'll only happen once and uh that'll cause when jesus comes that'll happen but like Mm -hmm. i don't think it should happen before then
2: yeah I, i was just gonna add i i you know i started i i'm in the middle of reading um Morton's hyper objects right now and um it's a really interesting book Paul it's a it's it's um it's like you're listening to a kind of early aughts Delphic Oracle it's hmm. very interesting just in terms of its style and its you know associative quality anyway um and he, any he, and he makes this funny thing I don't think he doesn't seem like he's a really funny guy but um I think he's kind of a serious guy but anyway Um, He talks, you know, that there have been many ends of the world. And um, I thought that was a really helpful way to think of things, you know, so, you know, at the advent of um, uh, the gas works in cities, like that's the end of a world, you know, with the advent of uh, electricity. Uh, and wired homes, like that's an end of a world. And then then backwards, you can sort of say, you know, um, uh, internal plumbing is an end of a world. Um, And so I I thought that that was actually a kind of a helpful way to think through it, right? So so even like in, in my church, you know, I think it's very safe to say whether you fall into the hermeneutics of continuity, or the hermeneutics of disruption, it is very very clearly the case that the second vatican council signaled an end of a world and um you know people can get all upset with me and angry with me about with how i'm talking but you know exactly what i'm talking about when you say that you know so paul you know when um your church for instance decided what was it was i think in the late 80s or 90s to allow uh, uh ordained women right that's the that's an end of a world And so those, so those people who left, you know, we we were looking at that interview of that young man who had been part of a separatist group and came back, you know, that was clearly an end of a world. Um, You know, uh, you know, I I watched the Jesus revolution at your um, behest and what a great movie. It was really an an enjoyable world movie, but man, talk about an end of a world. Good Lord. Kelsey Grammer's church before and after what's his name. It's like, I mean, how can you even pretend in like you said like the fashion and all of that sort of stuff it's just like a total break a total break and so i i think that you know to the question um yeah yeah we'll we'll, we'll continue to do this thing until it becomes actual like sam says yeah. um uh in, in, at, at the high risk combos I, i'm totally on the same page as you with that kale i think the
1: what you know just the just the changes i've seen in the christian reformed church over my lifetime
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: and i i was at a i've always been at the fringe of the christian reformed church i've never yeah. really been at it except when i was in college and seminary more sort of at it Well, you were part of the up. racial
2: reconciliation wing yeah. of the church right so you were already right. literally on the fringe there right mm-hmm.
1: so it's and you find and, and sam we've we've talked about this before with respect to you know, we was was ancient Christianity sex negative. Um yes, yes it was
0: which yeah. was mentioned in that video that yes. started this conversation. And Laura Liz and I were like, Where was our shout-out?
2: Yeah.
0: You know, they just said <laughs> no. that on a platter. And we didn't even you know.
1: say <laughs> the Chicago, the Chicago, do you guys have a real name? See, until you name no. your group. See, Once you name your group, then you can have a shout out. If you don't have a name, how can we shout you out? So, and 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 why aren't you a church? You're not a, you know, it's like when Chad says to me on the bus at Chino, wouldn't it be great if we were all in the same church? And it's like we can't even all take communion together. <laughs> but, um, uh, John John Masters, with regard to the Catholic influence over American conservatism, is there a growing antagonism between those actors and Francis due to his apparent progressive orientation?
2: I, you, can I go?
1: Yeah, you should right. the only one who can. Um, so uh,
2: no, you you guys can do it. Like I talk about y'all, so you can talk about it. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't I don't see it uh, as a, an. Ent- I think clearly the Pope does not like Americans, <laughs> clearly, and and he really doesn't like conservative Americans, and so we can dance this up with theology all we want. But I think the 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 dominant metaphor is that you're you know you're a spurned peronista. I, I just think that that's the the frame that you have to see it that that that's his frame. He doesn't like Americans. And so, um, yeah, I guess he's apparently progressive. I mean, he is. I mean, personnel's policy, look at all the people he's named. They're all progressives. They all want a a, a new church.
0: so I, here's a, a follow up sub question. I don't mean to steal from Monica. What role does America have in the future of the Catholic Church? Because at like okay. at some
2: point, ooh, 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 I
0: really gotta imagine that like what percentage of the money is America floating in this
2: yeah. yeah. at the
0: moment, great, and all of great, those sorts of
2: questions. Yeah, yeah, great, great question, great question. So so the reason why uh, this is even a fight right now is because all the Germans, what's left of the German church provides the provides the Roman church with all of her money, okay? Mm-hmm. And so they they can't they can't quite quit her, <laughs> right? Because they need they need that cash. And Germany and
0: has that weird thing where you select your denomination. That's right. That's right. My sister lives in Germany. You yeah. say you can either yeah. be Catholic, evangelical, yeah. which is Lutheran, and yeah. like a couple other things, and then the government tithes for you
2: yeah yeah so i i think uh yeah no it's crazy and that so, survives through hitler like, yeah you know yeah it's I mean? amazing <laughs> yeah it's truly amazing but you know so so i think the and that's part of the antagonism of team frances like the english-speaking uh uh, uh members of team frances um um, you know, hate the American influence because they feel like you know we're making it look bad. You know, for the Americans that are sort of playing that kind of game. But I think that um, the future of the church is absolutely going to be heavily American, um, despite you know sort of what's going on right now. And it's going to be heavily American because you know, again, even though numbers are waning for everybody across the board, I mean, who who's left? Right, I mean, who's really going to be left? And you know, you still have a bunch of weirdos like me who still care about this stuff, you know. And that's and I and I think that there's still there's still plenty of us. How uh, many? I don't know. But you know, Rome's going to need America. In uh, and, and it's really sad. There's no really no need. It was such a it was such an unfortunate um, turn of circumstances because um, America has had a great relationship with Rome really since the Council. Um, you know, pre prior to John Paul II, you know, that, that Americans enjoyed a great relationship with Rome, and I think I thought it was a good and fruitful relationship. Um, so yeah, it's very weird to say this unfortunate, like why why pick fights? It just doesn't make any sense.
1: David French being the water boy for Catholics by bashing white evangelicals.
2: Hmm.
0: He's the water boy for the wasps, who uh, that, that's, that's, who that's really who he's waterboying for, yeah. Oh, I so i i was on a i sometimes go on muslim youtube channels because they like to talk to me for some obvious reasons often to you know they'll talk about how dumb the trinity is and stuff like that sure and so and i always have to feel careful am i waterboarding for the muslim apologists uh and because a lot of them have way bigger channels than anyone else who invites me on paul included and so it is one of those dynamics that I have to be careful with. And, you know, some th- the ortho bros will attack me if I go on the wrong Muslim YouTube channels. And, and I'm like thinking about that as like trying to empathize with David French. Because David French, you know, feels like something's going wrong in his church. And in some degree, he's kind of right about right. the diagnosis, if not right about the prognosis and what to do about it. And so he's being ignored by the institution he wants to help, but this other institution that has ill will for the institution he wants to help will give him airtime. And does that airtime help more than it hurts? I don't know. It's I I am, I am trying to or be is nice or to is David part
1: himself. of this the the Protestant problem that is sort of at the center of this conversation where David French isn't in an institution. David French is out there in the open sea of evangelicalism where it's all brokering and networks and you're trying to find coalitions in order to do a thing. And now he's in a coalition with Rob Reiner to do a movie. Um, This is, this is, this is kind of at the heart of it. Whereas, you know, at least, at least for the Roman Catholics, they're having a fight and in some ways, you know who wins maybe when the next Pope is named. And I mean, because you guys, you know, sim- more similar to, let's say, the fight within the American political structure, where there is a structure. And so you are fighting for position within the structure. There is no structure that David French is fighting with. David French is out there trying to fight a spirit, trying to fight a hyper object.
2: Right. right, right, good. Yeah. I, I, this is where I think the hyper object thing is actually very helpful. Um, but have um, either of you seen this movie from uh, the mid 2000s? It starred Matt Damien. Uh, Robert De Niro, Angelina Jolie was called the Good Shepherd. Have you you heard about this movie? So it it basically it's a movie. I believe Scorsese even directed it. The movie's okay, but it's basically the story of Matt Damon is a uh, a guy who um, becomes part of the early CIA, and uh, so it really is kind of about the whole the, the the sort of the 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 high point of the Wasp establishment and its degeneration post-war right Mm -hmm. and and a lot of that is because um you know uh, just demographically right you know that that you've got all of these germans and 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 italian and irish who are now really the blacks have
0: their music the jews have their religion the the italians have their family what is it you guys have that's exactly this country sir that's right right. and
2: we just let you stay here it's a great line and i just butchered the line but he just looks at um um oh gosh, uh, Joe Pesci in the face and says, we just let you work, like live here. Like you're just doing your time here. This is our country. And I, but it really struck me when I saw it way back in the day. And when Aaron Wren started talking about the, uh, actually Jodie Bottom, of course, was talking about with the Anxious Age, uh, the, the, the Wasp establishment, but then Wren starts talking about it again. And I just have, have been unable to, to to stop thinking about this movie. And of course, You know, also kind of in in Tucker, Tucker is part of that world, too, in an interesting sort of way, tangentially, that old wasp world. But um, I'm David French. um, While not a wasp proper. Right. I mean, he's a Tennessee Hill boy. Right. There's still that sense that David French played the American game. Right, that ultimately his really, and this is where I think Sam, your line of questioning with me about Catholicism and the and the uneasy relationship uh, that Catholicism has with American democracy, I think is a real thing, right? And I think for David French, it's like someone attacked his religion, right? And his religion consisted of you know robust foreign engagement, you know at home free markets. And, you know, may, 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 may no one besmirch the good name of Ronald Reagan, right? And, and, and I think with, with, uh, you know, the Trump thing that clearly broke his brain and many of these guys' brains and, and, and for, and for some good reason, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he really was attacked, you know, by, by, by the sort of the the crazy part of, uh, of the alt-right. I mean, that, that, that's a real thing that happened and I, I don't want to ever, pretend that that hasn't been the case but ultimately i think you go where you know people treat you nice and so i think he retreated more fully and more truly into his actual religion you know if if it, if, if we find out what you really are by but what is it preference um uh, uh uh when when you choose something with oh what do they call it um reveal preference right you know when you, I think it actually just revealed what he really, really was. And he's not whatever modern American evangelicalism is. He's American. Like he's an, you know, he, he, he was in the army, right. And, 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 you know, but he, don't he,
0: say American isn't Protestant, right? You know, like that thing right, that I said at right. the beginning, don't, right. you, those two things are too tightly interwoven. To oh, but yeah, fact- but
2: you would yeah. never have an argument for me on that front. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, I, you know, I remember uh buying the line, you know, that America is an idea and all this sort of stuff. And and I get why people say that and I'm not, I'm not entirely immune to that frame, but but you know, I've been really swayed by you know the the tribes theory of uh, you know the Scots Irish, the Scots American tribe view of the American founding, and that this was. You know, they weren't fighting for ideas. They were fighting because these assholes were coming, and 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 you know, this foreign country, you know, was coming and in, in, in messing with us, right? That kind of kind of that kind of visceral tribalism, and and so so to me, that is uh, that that spirit is Americanism, and that's ultimately what David French is. And I think that uh, it's exposing maybe some of the contradictions in Americanism, um, but but I think that's ultimately what he is
1: where was I going to go with this?
2: Oh, so, you know, pointing to that movie, the
1: good shepherd, I mean, in many ways, Watergate Nixon's resignation, (laughs) that was really the end of lion America. Right. And so Jimmy Carter comes in and of course, you know, George, uh, Gerald R Ford from Grand Rapids, Michigan, kind of a transition figure, nice guy, super nice guy, good Christian man, good father, all those things. But Jimmy Carter comes in, and that's at the yeah. same time the counterculture. And we can't even
0: rescue a couple hundred Americans from an
1: embassy in Tehran. You know, exactly. Right? Yeah. And so, and
2: so, in that sense, and the way they know, try to do it, like this sort of this secret, like backdoor op that blows up, you know, spectacularly. Like you can't even march a, a a division in there, like just get the yeah yeah, yeah totally good. yeah.
1: But then, of course, Reagan comes in, and and Reagan, Reagan gives the sense that. We still look like lions and, and Reagan had some lion in him in terms of, you know, um, in terms of how he dealt with the Soviet Union. But Reagan also had this sense of, if you just get me in the room with the Russians, I'll charm them. And of course, Gorbachev at that point is dealing with a collapsing house and, right. you know, the end of the Cold War. And then at the end of the Cold War, you know, the, the new atheism is very much a Fox thing. You know, new atheism is very against lions. Right, right, So right. if you follow that strain along... No, that's cool.
2: I like that. No, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, no, that's great. That's great.
0: But yet uh, we can still park some uh, aircraft carriers off the coast of Israel and show what's up is what's up, at least for now. If someone calls our bluff sometime or if enough people call our yeah. bluff simultaneously, yeah, I yeah. can't help but worry that there will... America will have to really, really choose between fox and lion in the next couple of decades yeah. geopolitically. Yeah. Like, can we still call uh, the Suez Canal on the phone yeah. and be like, excuse me, if you've forgotten, this is ours, in fact,
2: yeah. or
0: or will the Suez Canal or some other waterway somewhere or some other important infrastructure, geopolitical, whatever, you know, really break free of our power? I this will be something that will be really interesting to see how much fight we have left in us and how much fight everyone else does.
1: Well, China and Ukraine, I mean both of those questions. Um, you know, is and Biden, you know, Biden, you know, Biden wasn't supposed to say, "Yeah, we'll defend Taiwan," but Biden, you know, but then again, having to say that at that point in a sense reveals weakness as well. Eisenhower didn't go on you know, did Eisenhower go on the, the, the television networks and tell on the networks or did he just have to call him on the phone? So um, someone wants to someone wants to where, where was the question? I'm um, sorry. I can't hit all the questions. There's more questions than I can hit. So uh, someone wants to ask, someone asked the question. I'd, I'd be curious to hear what you guys have to say. Um, define evangelical and is the CRC evangelical?
0: Well, does someone want to finally tell me if I get to count as an evangelical or not? <laughs> I'm I'm still waiting for clarity on this question
1: myself.
0: <laughs> so I'm probably not the right person to ask, or maybe I'm the exact right person to ask because I've traversed so much of this boundary. I know where exactly where it is.
1: Well, and I've 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 intimated at it, but part of what I've been really so I want so Sam, and part of you, part of what's inspired me on this is you. Because you're the one who has paid attention to um, Islam on YouTube and Islamic apologists and this whole thing. And I've been I've dipped my toe into the whole Muslim thing a little bit. But watching this show on on Hulu of Rami, um, just really so so what on earth is a religion? You know, and this gets to to your point too, Kale, about I mean, you I, there's no question in my, I, I visited you and, you know, I felt, I never felt as Protestant as when I visited kale and we would go into the chapel and he would, you know, and, and first it was like, it, it was like the experience that I had when I went, I went, went, went to lunch with one of the truck drivers when I was delivering lumber in college and sat down, we were having lunch together cause we we're out on a long run and I just bowed my head in prayer and,
2: what you doing? yeah, What
1: uh, what, what you doing? I said, I'm having a prayer. Don't do that anymore. It makes me feel weird. Mm, (laughs) mm, mm. But so Kale, I mean, Kale's got the propositional beliefs. He's got the, I mean, Kale is a 4P Catholic. But then when you get into this question of Islam, and I don't, I haven't yet sort of brought in, I don't know how many people watched um, Sam Harris and Eric Weinstein on trig- trigonometry yeah. with respect to Hamas, yeah. and Sam Harris is basically like, "Kill them, kill them yeah. all," yeah. and Eric's like, uh, "You know, but there's a lot of whole lot of nice people that might be a little sympathetic to, you know, the sorrows of Hamas, and you're going to kill them too." Can we um, denominationalize Islam? Is the question right we, you
0: know can we do what can we do the, the muslims what we did to the catholics and the jews that is the question and do we have faith in our feminine seductive power to uh, allow them to keep enough of their identity where they don't see what happens to them as they go through this process
1: and that's exactly what happens in that rami cuz like rami can't give up the porn he can't give up hooking up with the uh the jewish girls and the white girls and and then he decides he's gonna be a real muslim and then he sleeps with his cousin right before his wedding night with the real muslim girl and you know and and it's all of that tension is well can islam be seduced and don't forget osama bin laden attacked america because basically what the what a lot of the islamists were saying is that America, Hollywood, is seducing the young men of Islam. And they're asking the same, you know, the same question that Kale was saying, will our children be Muslim? And, you know, and so now, you know, depending on who you believe in terms of what's going to happen in Iran, how long will that Islamist regime go, in, go on? Or will this whole massive group of young people in Iran finally say, no, we want Western movies, and we want to wear what we want. Will they all go Sarah Hyder? So, right, right, right.
0: Evangelicalism is a mood and the mood, a vibe, and the
1: vibe is dying. It's hard not to see. Wow, otherwise. wow. There's a mic drop moment. There's a mic drop moment. All right. Anything else? I can't follow. I can't possibly catch up on all the comments. So, um, uh. uh <laughs> Happy CW weighs this. in with the uh, <laughs> with the <laughs> with the big box <laughs> money box. Um, <talks>. um. <laughs> I'm gonna see the world, then I'm coming back here to go to college and see what I know, and then I'm gonna build things. Kale has done George Bailey one better, securing the future of all things by building up people. Bells are ringing. Oh, that's beautiful. That's Thanks, beautiful. beautiful. That's beautiful. All right. Um, let's. Uh, oh, uh, oh, Grail Country, poor. For those of you who watched, um, you know, I, I we we very much wanted to have Nate in, but he had some work conflicts, and so we tried. And so, those of you who are coming here for Nate, you know, sorry, um, Islam is in conflict with modernity; and never gave up tradition, and the hardcore tradies should let that sink in. <laughs> yeah, but there, um, and 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 again, to me, this is one of the, and I know Christians have. Christians have played the lion and eaten lambs countless times over the centuries, but part of, I I can't help think that part of what's going on now is in fact, um, you know, Islam doesn't have the same DNA in it as Christians do with respect to, so I listened to, I listened to the rest is history, eight part series on the conquest of the Aztecs. Mm-hmm. and tom awesome. holland keeps reminding us you know all of these people who are like oh the horrible catholic you know spanish who did this that's a christian objection you know they're you're complaining about christianity with christianity and and so i think i think part of what's happening with this whole struggle with islam is that every time they kill someone People, people who have been deeply formed by the West say, I'm sorry, I just, I just can't sign up for hunting down men, women, and children and killing them in their beds. I differentiate between soldiers and noncombatants and anyone who kills a civilian for political gain is a terrorist and I'm not having it. And I think this is part of the Christian DNA that through all of this stuff that we've had in the world has deeply impacted everybody's moral accomplices. I also think
0: Islam is really diverse and complicated. And one, one thing that I have noticed in my ventures into Muslim land is that when they fight each other, they fight each other with a level of viciousness on the internet that Christians don't do. I mean, I get attacked by ortho bros and I get attacked by James White, angry Calvinist cage stage people. But there's a level of civility that they will still show me that the Muslims don't show to each other when they are fighting. And I found that very interesting. But I think that, I don't know, partly for that reason, the Muslims inability to solve their own internal conflicts might cause them to see liberalism as a solution right sarah Um, mm -hmm. hyder interesting yeah and i think i don't know i mean i I, there's certainly lots of kinds of islam that i think would be just perfectly fine in western civilization and american like have no problem uh there are some kinds of islam where i'm not so sure but i think that on the whole i think that it will be hard for islam because really what's been keeping islam from fighting each other is america yeah you know they would never admit that but that's true and uh, so what happens if America stops keeping the Muslims from fighting each other? They, they'll find that they need liberalism more than actually just about anybody. And so I think that they will, it'll be hard for them to come to the conclusion to not support the liberal project.
1: No, I, I agree. I agree. All right, last words, then we'll end the transmission.
2: No, it's great to see you guys. It's a great conversation. I appreciate it.
1: Really good. I appreciate all of you. Appreciate Bethel coming on, Nate, trying to make the time. Um, And I, but I I do think, Sam, that I think that this, the Islamic question isn't going to go away. And I think this feminine power, both in terms of, let's say the whore of Babylon, that America has some of that in it, uh, but also the, also a little bit
0: Esther. Right.
1: Yep. Esther, you know, Esther
0: is a good example of the feminine seductive power that could be used for good ends, right? You know,
1: yep. the, there's the
0: whore of Babylon and then there's Esther and Persia. You know, those are two sides of a similar
1: coin. <laughs> that's right. So um, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway,
2: on my on my closing shot is I just hope that we have generously and productively avoided answering the question directly as much as possible. So <laughs> that's what I hope for. <laughs> <laughs> Jesuits <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always, always. <laughs> oh man. You're funny.
1: All right. Thank you all for watched and um see you on the flip side. Alright,
2: see you guys. Take care. Bye bye.